Does everybody know what time it is? Time for the Season 3 Super Spectacular! That's right, it's the season finale of Grunt Work. Some days, I pray for silence. Some days, I pray for soul. Some days, I just pray to the god of sex and grunts and rock and roll. And some days, I, Truman, the Closure Man Caps, sit down with my dear friend and co-host Landon, the Reflections Man Solano, to record the Season 3 Super Spectacular of Grunt Work, a podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. (laughs) That was more professional than usual. I know, I know. It's because I was practicing it the whole (laughs) way over on the subway, because this is a special episode. It is. We can't afford to take the loosey-goosey bullshit approach that I take to every other episode of this. This, Right. This is the real McCoy. This is finals. This is state. I think you and I experience something very similar every time we record. Heartburn? You know, we, we, <laughs> heartburn, for sure. Uh, but we, we alternate doing this talk singing as we uh, introduce each episode. Yes. And so often, I, there, I have this weird brain disconnect where lyrics just don't... I, I don't hear lyrics ever. They don't, I don't really? remember. They just wash over me as like another instrument or another part. Like they don't resonate with me. My parents so are the same way. When you say some things like this intro that you just did was very familiar to me, but I could not tell you what song it's from. Oh, well, okay. This is, this is great. You, so you can't guess. You have no idea. I uh, no, I would not be able to even fathom. I know just knowing you, it's probably somewhere between seventies and eighties rock. Well, I'm actually the, for the first time I've started doing the thing that you do where there's actually rhyme and reason to your madness. Oh. And this is from the year that, that this season of home improvement was on. Oh, okay. 94. Yes. So, and the the singer, uh, to give you a hint, his name is also a food. Oh, good old Burrito Thomas. Yeah, Burrito <laughs> Thomas, man. <laughs> no, the, uh, do, do you want me to just give yeah, it Yeah, yeah, tell me, yeah. This is Meatloaf. This is oh, I Would Do Anything for Love. Which is one of my go-to karaoke songs when, you know, listen, I know how to karaoke. I'm not going to throw down an eight-minute ballad in a place where people are itching to get on stage i do it only at the like destitute karaoke places that need filler songs only at the place where you can tell that these people want to hear one person going (laughs) for eight minutes well i tell you i i had not like i'm familiar with this song i'm of course familiar with meatloaf and what his whole deal is when i saw this on the list of songs from that year i was like oh this could work. He has some pretty wild lyrics because I do I do hear lyrics. I yeah. do notice lyrics, like, and they do stick in my craw, which I, I think is where the the idiotic toxin first came from, <laughs> the fact that I just have them rattling around up there. But so I, I wound up listening to the song to try and get a sense for, for what would be a good uh, passage to use. Yeah. And to do it, I wound up seeing the music video for oh I God, Would Do yes. Anything for Love. And this music video makes no fucking no, it sense. Doesn't. Meatloaf is like a monster man <laughs> in a cathedral, and he's singing about this stuff. And then two ordinary like cops show up, like <laughs> cops in uniforms with flashlights, uh-huh. looking for him. I don't know what what he's done. And then he runs them over with a motorcycle and straight up kills these two cops. And then gives a woman a medallion. And this sexy lady comes to uh-huh. this cathedral and takes a bath in her clothes and is writhing around in a bed. And then all the cops come back looking for oh, Monster Man. man Meatloaf. And then he rides. It's a very weird. I'm Welcome sorry. to '90s music videos. I mean, it was a, th- that video was a cornerstone of growing up watching it on VH1. Oh, you know, man. we used to watch 
back in the day, way way back when I was a kid, back back when Meatloaf was a monster man, <laughs> back back when the police were ruthlessly hunting down the monster man. <laughs> we used to spend entire summer days with like VH1 and and MTV when they played music videos on in the background while we were doing you know any number of other things, mm-hmm. uh, and just waiting for our favorite music videos to come on. And yeah, this one was absolutely one that we for some reason looked forward to. I think it was that. You know, it was it was pretty sexy. <laughs> that there's a lot that's of that's definitely a big part of it. A lot of bosoms straining against silky kind of <laughs> kind of flowy yeah. uh, dresses. A lot of a lot of sexy women like running their mouths over other women. <laughs> I also think it was the latent horror uh, fan in me, where like at the time I was definitely afraid of that shit. But <laughs> seeing Meatloaf as a kind of monster was like. <laughs> sort of gateway and access point into like oh this isn't scary but yet it's still a monster uh who would have known that he would have become a bigger monster without the makeup later on yeah yeah it, it's such a like i just I, watching it i i was i then found myself googling to see if was this like part was he did he play a monster <laughs> in a movie like was this just like scenes from a movie stitched together or they yeah or someone actually just dreamed up this notion of like <laughs> Okay, there, we have a cathedral, we have a monster man who's kind of like the Phantom of the Opera, and we have some 90s cops and a motorcycle. <laughs> I think it was all, like, the dying art of the concept album mm. and, like, taking it one theatrical step further uh, than, like, just your normal prog rock album. Uh, you know, Pink Floyd never did themselves up as monsters, and, you know, I guess the closest they came to was doing The Wall. Yeah, Pink, Pink Floyd never ran over a couple cops with a motorcycle. They were softcore. <laughs> Oh my god. Um so here we are off to a rambly start to our rambly season of uh home improvement. Lord, we were born to be rambling men. Uh I love it. The talk singing has started again. Folks, welcome to Grunt Work. Uh I'm <laughs> your host Truman the doing this bit man caps. Yeah, we're we're mm-hmm. we're we're capping off a very rambly and weird season of home improvement. How yeah. better do it than by being rambly and weird? I which know is what we always do. But you know, what? we do have some concrete things that we're going to cover in today's episode that are going to be a lot of fun. So, yes. um, before we get into it, I do want to go over a couple of revelations. Um, you know, we pose questions from the end of the Bible, and <laughs> yep, this is from the New Testament, not the old one. Um, you know, we pose questions, things that don't make sense to us, uh, our limited knowledge of certain things in life. And uh, our extensive knowledge of other <laughs> less worthy things. Uh, you know, due to the the generosity of our listeners, as well as just some general research on our own, we're able to come up with answers to some of life's biggest mysteries. Yes. And I'm going to start with one. That's going to blow your mind. Oh, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. It's all that happens. Only a couple episodes ago. Yes. Where Wilson helping Tim. Oh, it was in The Great Race Part 2. Yeah. So literally the last episode we watched. Yes. Where Wilson um, slides out from underneath the car. A question that we've had since season two. Oh, yeah. Maybe season one. Skateboard roller thingy. Skateboard roller thingy. Is what it's actually called. Do you want to know the actual name of it? Yeah, I guess. It's called a mechanic creeper no (laughs) yeah (laughs) that doesn't accurately reflect what the thing does skateboard thing is way more descriptive (laughs) so i mean really skateboard thing but creeper i mean that's not that's weird that's like the grunt creep i know is influencing our reality this is like berenstain bears shit right here (laughs) 
Oh man, isn't that wild? The, but but it doesn't like not. It's a roller. It rolls. It doesn't creep. Yeah. Creeping is the thing that you do with legs, <laughs> or uh, your fingers pretending to be legs, which is creepy. That is true. When has it ever been? When if when has it ever been not creepy to like walk your fingers along? Like, just even doing it on the table, it's like you are you are like the you are like the the bad guy in a Disney movie. <laughs> You're like Jafar right now or something, some flamboyant bad guy. It seems like the one thing you would be required to do if you're about to take the last slice of pizza. <laughs> Yes, it's like like it's bad enough that you're already committing the sin of gluttony by eating the last yes. slice of pizza, but then you're also identifying yourself as a creepazoid to everyone at the table. Exactly. Oh dear, what's gonna happen now? Oh no, that last slice of pepperoni. Oh man. Um. So there's that. I also found the official name of the uh, the cow creamer dish. What what is it? It's called a creamer dish, or a creeper dish. <laughs> Okay, so you were right, is what you're saying. Uh, I would say you were right because we were debating whether or not it was called a creamer. Uh, I thought it was called a boat, oh, a creamer right. boat. It is just a creamer, a creamer dish. Next thing, yes, this is a, a big one. Yes, the Detroit Public Library. It it is it well it had better be big after all the trillions of dollars that were raised for them. Eighty <laughs> uh, percent of the U.S. GDP is the Detroit Public Library. <laughs> a listener named Chris sent us a video. Uh, a christener <laughs> on facebook yes that shows the intricacy of the detroit public library and holy shit the intricacy of like the building or the system the building yeah it is massive yeah and it is it's it's like the dia the detroit institute of art i mean it's huge it's the architecture is just like marble and like uh have you ever seen the the um Library or no, no, not the library. The what the museum in Chicago with the lions outside. And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah wait, they go to yeah, it in Ferris Bueller and yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to yeah the Chicago Institute of Art. Institute yeah, of Arts, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like that. Oh, I mean, wow. it's just like not anything I ever imagined. So, um, and I'm gonna share this uh, video um, that he provided to us uh, on our various social media channels so you guys can see it. But it it totally makes sense why they need so much goddamn money for this library because because it's it's this it's a huge building that is being restored bit yes, by bit or something exactly it's the sort of building that needs restoration work of like you know uh the cathedral ceilings need polishing and like uh i i don't know why this falls on jill's shoulders like how did what's that story how did she get into that yeah can but... you get a grant for some of this stuff i mean or like national <laughs> register of historic places uh maybe they have that and they need even additional funding beyond that who knows i mean it's that grandiose so you know well the thing the thing about the the library fundraiser is that it's not so much about the funds but it's that the detroit public library like tinkerbell doesn't exist <laughs> Unless we all believe, unless right. we all, unless we all clap to show that we believe in libraries, and so that's why it's always happening. We have to keep people believing. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, uh, I will clap every day for the library. Good, and that's, that's enough to keep us going at least through <laughs> through the holidays. That's the the end of the library bit, and just and just snap your fingers a couple times for the bookmobile and regional libraries. There you go. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> Um, okay, the next one, uh, next little bit here that I have is, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying part of my weird conspiracy brain. 
Okay, good, good. That's getting to be a bigger and bigger part of your brain, if, I, if I've not <laughs> bigger, noticed. Bigger part of my life, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's 2018. Everyone's getting into conspiracies one way or another. It's true. Uh, if you ever want to hear my thoughts on Netflix being a cult, just let me know. I will be happy to talk about it. Or, or let me know, because I can give you a fairly robust summary of what Landon thinks on the issue, <laughs> having eaten many burritos with him and talked about <laughs> Netflix. Um, okay, let me see if I can articulate this for you. As you know, I watch a lot of horror films. Yes. And in the 80s, there was a, a theme of horror film that kind of followed the Steven Spielberg Amblin uh, uh, paradigm. Yes. You know, uh, where it takes place uh, focusing on a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, your child's plays, your... Uh, 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 what's the one I'm thinking of with Stephen Dorff? Uh, not uh, the Gate. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of these other. Your, so, your Poulter's Geist, yeah. your etc. Yeah. I've noticed something strange. Yes. Seanzilla. Yes. Appears in so many of these things in these in these other movies. Yes. That are not really. Yeah. And so I'm I'm trying to figure out because. Because I grew up at, during this time. I was the age of these kids yeah. during this time, and I don't remember Godzilla being a thing. Mm. Like, I, I was definitely aware of Godzilla, but not to the point where everybody had to have a Godzilla figure. It wasn't like the, the tickle, same one. Yeah. <laughs> the Tickle Me Elmo of the time, you <laughs> tickle know? Tickle Me Godzilla. <laughs> Great idea until it singes your eyebrows off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a very, his, his threshold for when he doesn't want to be tickled anymore is very thin. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I can throw out my, my asinine theories about there being a a Godzilla Illuminati in Hollywood, but, um... Godzilla Illuminati. (laughs) I'm, I'm interested, if there are any Godzilla experts out there, uh, if you have any insight into this specific figure and why it's so pervasive during this time and why it pops up so much, uh, because it's certainly to the point where I'm like... Granted, I'm prone to notice things in the background. Of, yeah, you are. Uh, That's a true assessment of a thing that you do. But why Why this specific figurine? I mean, the, the like, what is it? Almost 12-inch or 14-inch? Or yeah, uh, like action figure yeah. or something. If I had to guess... Yeah, please. I would say that that probably at the time that, that the people who were making your, uh, you know, your your child's play and your poltergeist were, were doing these movies and set dressing these movies and whatever, the people who were in charge of that... I mean, A, the people making those sorts of movies were horror enthusiasts who'd probably been watching every available horror movie right. throughout their lives. When they were kids, Godzilla was probably one of the first, A, one of the first foreign right. horror movies they saw. Because Godzilla, I think, counts on some level as a horror movie. Like, it's not yeah. suspense, but it's like the spectacle and terror of it's a monster destroying In the same conversation. City. Yeah. And it's certainly... In Japan, also the notion of a city being destroyed by an atomic force that was very much a horror oh, yes. movie for them. Yeah, social so, commentary more than anything, I think. So maybe it's just maybe people are putting it in there because the movie made an impact on a lot of American, you know, yeah. American kids who would go on to become horror movie makers just and like, horror mo- or horror movie set designers and set dressers. So just like uh, the late seventies through like the mid nineties, there was a resurgence of. Uh, uh, kind of doo-wop and, um, you know, songs that Robert Zemeckis listened to when he yes. was a kid. Yeah. Uh, making, you know, making a, an appearance in the 90s, which doesn't make any sense, except that it... So that makes sense. Uh, or or just hmm. the, or the fact that nowadays there's suddenly a groundswell of kind of 
science fiction movies set in the 80s about uh, kids having adventures and going on kind of coming-of-age experiences. Your Supers yeah. 8, your Strangers thing, your It's. <laughs> um, now, here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of any of those things you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, so I haven't scrutinized them. I would be curious to see if the Godzilla figure appears in those things, which are an homage to the thing that had the Godzilla homage in it. That's uh that is a good question and something that I didn't I've certainly not well, A, I'm really bad at spotting details, period, <laughs> let alone remembering names of actors or characters. I've not noticed yeah. uh God or Seanzilla in any of those, but also part of the appeal of all of those movies and shows and stuff is that they have so much jammed into their background to really set the scene yeah, of, yeah. of the time and the place. Well, you know what? If I get inspired, I'm gonna watch uh watch some of those things again and see if i can't spot i i will say that that uh it it is certainly not a great movie yeah. it's not is someone who is not good with horror movies and gets very easily scared i didn't find it particularly scary mm. i thought it was just more startling than anything else but my favorite part of it was just it's 1989 and just like <laughs> hey look what movies are in theaters oh man look at what music they're listening to the, <laughs> look at taylor uh, swift being born yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, look! Look at look at uh, Kid Rock having all those experiences in Northern Michigan. His <laughs> his thoughts were short. His hair was long. <laughs> drinking funny things and smoking funny things. Um, no, but I mean that's I yeah I I'm just a sucker for the that scene setting anyway. Yeah, yeah. Even if I'm not scrutinizing it for Godzilla. Yeah. Well. Uh. So I guess I, my my main thing here is anyone that's listening to this, please reach out if you know anything about this Godzilla figure or you have a connection to a Godzilla. History, uh, historian or if you have a godzilla figure yeah any of the above if you I, are I godzilla need, listen i i still think pasquin led us astray i think that there is some purpose to it because there, there's no logical reason that it appears on both the home improvement and roseanne sets uh, there, there's something to it i don't know what it is but i'm gonna find out it's a shame that that Starly Klein podcast mystery show doesn't still exist because this is exactly <laughs> the kind of unsolved mystery that she would tackle. Yeah, it's well, just maybe I'll, I'll reach out to Dakota Ring. Yeah, hey, yeah, see what they say about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the great thing about the era that we live in is that there are pod. Well, there's podcasts like ours that are just bullshit, and then there's podcasts that are like. We're not unsolved mysteries. We're not solving murders. We're not finding the <laughs> right. Titanic. Like, we're definitely lo-fi kind of BS mysteries that <laughs> would not meet muster otherwise. Yeah. And I'm glad we can we have those resources. Oh, Maybe what an era we live in. Yes. Oh, boy. Okay, well, do you want to get into the meat of this episode? I, you know, well, I, I mean, you're the vegetarian here. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we can we can get a side have, salad. Well, you know, they have the Impossible Burger now, so we got a really good meat substitute for me. <laughs> I, 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 can, I can name which episodes from this season were the meat substitute, just trying to simulate actual episode, <laughs> actual plot. I feel like that's most of the season. Th this um, episode was a lot of blended up chickpeas <laughs> yes. and, and uh, black bean puree. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, going off that thought, let's let's go into Truman and Landon corner. Yeah. Uh, we're we're building a, a corner. <laughs> what floor is this on? Uh, this is on 11, I want to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah good like view, that. good view of the city. Okay. Yeah. Um so we're we're building a corner to ourselves here to talk about <laughs> God, so much foley today. Tra transitions are coming out of the woodwork. Um they're doing woodwork, actually. They <laughs> were laying me. down some, yeah, some some wall wall uh, studs. Um, th this is where we're gonna reflect a little bit on 
our experience with this podcast and the show and how things have changed or haven't changed. And uh, why don't you extend your thoughts about what you were just saying? Well, uh, wait, you mean what I was saying, like just when I was doing the sound effects? with Do the, more with sound effects, effects Okay, so so this is going to be what I think a screwdriver sounds like. It's like... You know, that, that's uh-huh. it. I haven't really screwed anything in a while. Giggity. Um, <laughs> no, so my thoughts just well, on, on home improvement and where we're at. Uh, you know, I will say that when we went into this when when i got down on one knee <laughs> we or, were bushy-tailed little bright-eyed yeah sprightlings. yeah when we were when we were fresh off the boat in <laughs> podcast land with our yeah. sticks and our bindles <laughs> and our uh and our, our our old cigars that were mostly burned down i guess i'm kind of going from a port side five old goes to america thing to more of a like little tramp laurel and hardy look <laughs> uh when we started this i think we acknowledged that the show we were watching was not necessarily going to be great. Mm. And I think we acknowledged that we might at one point find ourselves hating it or Mm -hmm. no, we went into it saying like, we might hate this. We might wind up hating this, whatever. And I think that the first season, two seasons or so we were having a good, like I, well, okay. I'm not going to speak for you. I was having, I was having good times the first season or two, because it was like, oh, fun nostalgia. It's a new thing, yeah. It's the 90s. Puppy and, love sort of deal. Yeah, and, and a lot of these bits, like, haha, that episode didn't really have much of a plot, and Tim was just an asshole the whole time, but hey, it's fun, whatever, yeah. you know, they're finding their footing. And, you know, now I think what changed for me this season is that we have seen enough of the show at this point to realize... Oh, those weak episodes weren't them finding their footing. Those weak episodes were kind of just like, like by three seasons into the show, they know who the characters are. They know what they're mm-hmm. doing. They've been making the show for a couple of years. They've got things down. The episodes are still weak because it's just like we don't need to do more than that. Yeah, I think, or at least some of some of them are. And I think that this season was hard for me because it was the point that I realized, oh, they they have no qualms about repeating the same jokes. They have no qualms about just the the main thrust of every episode is just Tim clowning. Mm-hmm. And so this epi- this season was a little depressing for me, honestly, because I was starting to realize, like, oh, God, we have... Okay, I didn't think that they were going to run out of gas this fast on yeah. new ideas. Well, let me ask you, I mean, because this is something I constantly struggle with, which is trying to place myself within the context of the show when it was, you know, aired. Yeah, you know we're so conditioned to watch uh, things through the lens of you know contemporary. Clearly, Home Improvement is a '90s show, and it was before the internet and before uh, there was even you know, well reruns was were a thing. But you know you couldn't watch it on demand. Yeah, and so um, we had to watch the you know I, I think that they got away with being able to repeat more stuff because it is what. The people wanted and what we're coming back for. Yeah. And I, as being two people who watch it in and out and scrutinize it, like, that's not what the show was intended for. So I, it's, I keep trying to give it the benefit of the doubt in that, you know, we're not watching it as it was intended to be watched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. I guess that in some sense, it's like we're watching 
It's it's like we're watching a whole bunch of commercials for breakfast cereal and going <laughs> going like what what well a rabbit wouldn't want to eat cereal. This doesn't make any I, sense. I know. I know. Look at look at twenty you know two hundred years of established study of rabbits. Not one rabbit has <laughs> ever liked cereal. Not one rabbit has ever wanted tricks. Yeah. Uh, that would have you know, and I guess that's kind of what we're we're doing with this. Like the, a like little bit. T- yeah. TV in the night. TV now is something different. Mm-hmm. TV now is meant to be looked at really hard and thought about really hard. Eighty to eighty-five percent of TV back then, if not ninety percent, was not meant to be paid much attention to. It was right. on while you make dinner, or it was on while you have dinner with your kids, or it's on while you like get a hand job or something. It's not. <laughs> it wasn't. Right. It wasn't thought-provoking art. I, I guess. Yeah, I had a similar experience with Golden Girls while I was watching it, where. You know, Rose would constantly go into, well, back in St. Olaf, every single episode. I'm like, oh, I can't deal with it. I I loved the show. I thought it had some of the sharpest writing around. But they constantly, or Sophia going, you know, 1933, Sicily, Mm -hmm. you know, every single episode. Yeah. And because people weren't binge watching it, that was what they were coming back for week to week. Mm -hmm. And so there was a certain amount of give them what they want. Yeah. And I, I do think that Home Improvement is doing the same thing here where, you know, we're getting the same type of shenanigans week in and week out without Tim really learning much. It's extra frustrating, though, I think, as contemporary viewers to watch it through the lens of uh, having to deal with the ramifications of toxic masculinity and, you know, being able to actually see the patriarchy uh, to not sound like a staunch liberal you know and speaking about it but you know like the, we can see the seams of all that now yeah and it yeah. makes it a little harder week after week to see them not learn a lesson uh, yeah that like i think when we went into this when we went into home improvement we knew we both knew who tim allen was mm-hmm. we knew his politics we knew we knew what he was famous for we knew what like we knew that home improvement was about all this we knew that it was a product of an earlier time. We knew it wasn't going to be totally A-OK. But I think we both had this impression that it was going to be... At least there was going to be a better effort made there. Yeah. I find it hard to give the benefit of the doubt because there's not... It's not... I think it's remembered as this sort of balanced gender debate or this kind of, you know, oh, yeah, but Patricia Richardson holds her own. But really, no, the, in the way it's the scripts been a are. a steep drop-off, I've found. Yeah, yeah. It, like there was more up front, but in this season especially, it's, it's yeah, it, it's, it, the protagonist is just flat-out unlikable and yeah. doesn't do, it would be one thing if in every episode, you know, even, it would be one thing if every episode Tim le- learns a lesson and actually has this progress, and then in the next episode he's an asshole again. Like, I right. forgive that. That's a sitcom. But it's that Tim is an asshole every episode, le- figures out that it's wrong to be an asshole in a way he should have known in the first place as a man in his late 30s, early 40s, and then doesn't really do anything to the, make it better but gets forgiven. Yeah, the story just kind of acquiesces to his worldview by yeah. most of the time. By the end of it. Yeah. Not all the time. I mean, they do have, and I think those are some of our favorite episodes or yeah. moments when Tim actually learns a lesson and acts on it yes. appropriately. Yes. And I, I don't know. And I think that what's hard, especially making this podcast at this point in time, yeah. I mean, really probably the worst time to be making a home improvement <laughs> podcast. Or the the most important time. I mean, it's, it's certainly more relevant now, but... I think that we didn't expect to see what we were seeing going into it, which yeah. is really, I think, like you said, 
just this notion that that yeah, this stuff isn't okay, but it's funny, <laughs> and he's a white guy, and it's okay. You know, yeah. just like watching a show where a where a white guy is able to act with complete disrespect and disregard for the feelings and wants and needs of everyone around him, and is endlessly forgiven and celebrated yeah. for it. Well, and you know, I, I'm still unable to fully articulate this, but something that I'm trying to you know keep in mind and and uh, really be cognizant of as we go through all these episodes is that there wouldn't be a show without. Tim the Toolman Taylor being an asshole. I mean, that's the crux of it all. It's like he has to make these faux pas in order to learn and for there to be comedy. Yeah. Um, and I, th- so, you know, like, I think at times, I'll speak for myself here, my criticism, criticism of it is a little overly harsh just because I am, <laughs> I don't like to see, having lived through it, like, I recognize more and more with each episode we watch how the toxic masculinity has kind of shaped my worldview of manhood and, and whatnot. Yeah. And how, you know, it's honestly had a somewhat negative effect on me that I didn't realize until we started rewatching this. Yeah. And I realized how much of an impression it made on me as a kid and seeped into my subconscious of, you know, being in an impressionable uh, preteen or teenager Going, oh, this is something I love telling me how something should be. Yeah. So that there might be a personal bias in in approaching this as we're watching it now. I, and I, I would agree. And and this is because I, I think that that I think that as we're sort of unpacking this and as just you know everyone in society is kind of reevaluating how men and women behave towards each other, or let's be real, how men behave towards women. <laughs> um, I. I I'm kind of seeing a lot of these things and looking at, you know, in the behavior of these shitty men who are now being being exposed today, and I, I look back at the sort of lines of thinking and reasoning that they seem to be employing to do the things that they do, and I look back at the things that I thought and believed about manhood when I was a teenager in my early 20s when yeah. it was a lot of, you know, being steeped in, in a culture that produced something like home improvement. I see that, and it, I think that's part of why it's having this visceral effect on me, too. Because, yeah. I mean, both you and I... I mean, I think, that, like, it, without question, the primary victims of toxic masculinity are women. Let's just of agree course, on that. Yeah. Women right. suffer the by far the most from this. But I think that dudes like the two of us are also victims, in a way, of toxic yeah. masculinity. Because neither one of us was on the football team. Neither yeah. one of us liked shop. We were both thoughtful, artsy kids. And I certainly, like, I got picked on a lot in elementary school and middle school for being a sensitive, thoughtful kid. And then that led to through high school and then kind of into college, me developing sort of a nastier, meaner, more callous and profane and rude persona (laughs) because I perceived that to be what a man is and like, Oh men are angry about things and men take out their frustrations by yelling and being loud and angry. And it's like, and I look (laughs) back now and all this cringeworthy behavior that I engaged in because of, because of the the shit that Tim is gleefully embodying and yeah. building up on this show, so right. it's striking a chord for for us both, I think. And so, just for those of you listening at home <laughs> who who are, if anyone is still listening at this point, uh, <laughs> we're not just doing this for the woke Bay Olympics. Like, I think this right, has right. a real effect on. Like, this is we're responding to attitudes that have hurt us in the past. Yeah, yeah, and to speak to that too is like just inherently through whatever 
born with traits that I've had, you know, physiological traits, whatever, have always felt like an outsider. And then to look at something like this saying, this is how things should be, and being so far away from that initially just makes me feel even more like an outsider. Yeah. And not even being aware of it until I've kind of gone through the self-realization process of my life, uh, or stage of my life. Um, and all this to say, like, I, I'm not trying to elicit sympathy from people, and I'm certainly not hate-watching the show. Yeah. E- even though this season has been more trying <laughs> than the first two seasons, and I think most of that's because the nostalgia has worn off for me. Yeah. Um, I'm still... It's still a very rewarding experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch an episode and go, oh, this is sort of where this thought process emanated in my life mm-hmm. and uh now i can sort of course correct in a way and along the way if we can joke <laughs> and draw attention to tell even one person that you know hey this isn't you don't need to put barbed wire in your toilet seat to to be a man <laughs> like that's that's okay you know what if you did need to put barbed wire in your toilet seat to be a man i would be happy to be a woman at that point <laughs> if that if being trans were if that was all it, it took then fine okay you yeah. know what sign me up uh yeah that's woof i mean if you want to put barbed wire in your toilet seat do that for you that's fine yeah. don't expect other people to match your level of what you consider to be manhood if you are into that do it. Just don't let anyone tell you you need to be into that. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, no one should... Don't let anyone tell you you need to put barbed wire in your toilet seat. The only one making that decision should be you. Um, but that said, you know, I kind of want to talk about what we have to look forward to and how things are going to change a little bit. Yeah. Uh, both in terms of the show and the podcast a little bit. You yes. Know, I think we're both committed to this thing. Oh, and, we're, we're in it. We're and, in it. Yeah, we took a blood oath. <laughs> I certainly don't. We I, killed I hope, a chicken. I hope that yeah, we we did that whole uh, ritual, which you know, hopefully will take effect soon. But you well, you bit the head off a tofu chicken. I bit the head <laughs> off a real chicken. That's right. I think you. I think yours is better because you marinated it very nicely. <laughs> Mine just tastes a little coppery. Um, uh, I've completely lost track. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, 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 right. no, no, no. We. Okay. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne came in. We bit yeah. heads off things. Yeah. Um, we're we're in it, we're in it to go with it. How the oh, show is yeah. going to change going forward? You know, we're we're still enjoying it. I certainly don't. I hope that listeners don't think we're hate watching this thing and that we're we're trying to tear it apart. Yeah, I still enjoy it week to week. Yeah, There's always. I haven't outside of one maybe two episodes there has been where I didn't laugh a single iota. Um. So I, I still get pleasure out of it. Yeah, the show has real charm. Like, we both, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy it on a level, too. And moving forward, season four, we're going to start to see a paradigm shift, which I think is kind of necessary. Yes. I could speculate a little bit as to why this season went the way it did with a new showrunner and a new, somewhat new director, but I don't have concrete evidence on that. I don't want to put words or thoughts into people's mouths, but... <laughs> Um, I can I see... hate it when people put thoughts in my mouth. <laughs> so, so grisly. <laughs> um, I can see where season three, as stars are starting to be born, more, uh, <laughs> more creative, uh, heads are budding. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that was what the movie was about, wasn't it? Lady Gaga <laughs> and, and Bradley Cooper, they just can't, like, you know, he helps her, but then, but then there's that conflict. Yes. Really, really That's... great joke. Really glad I derailed what you were saying. Did you see the movie? No, I did not. I did not either. No, okay. Well, I see you've got a DVD. I've got the of... original, or not the original. I've got the the Judy Garland version, which oh. I love because I love James Mason. He's one of my favorites. Mm, yes, I I have not seen 
any of the movies in the Star is Born cinematic universe. I don't really understand what any of the stories are about. I know that I, I follow enough gay people on Twitter to know that, that it's all a very big deal and I should be excited about I, all of it. I am excited to see the new one. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it. I don't go to the movies much anymore. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot to get me off my couch. And and Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga strumming a guitar is not <laughs> enough. <laughs> I mean, that should be enough, but it's not. Yeah. I'm putting that on me, not on them. I need a blinged out glove full of jewels. I need half the universe dying. <laughs> That's what gets me out of out of the apartment to the movies. Pretty, pretty much. Um, so with the paradigm shift, uh, you know, we're going to I'm not going to go into details because I want that to be fresh when we discover them. But, yeah, no spoilers. Um, there are some big shifts. We get new characters, uh, new recurring characters. We get new recurring locations. Ooh. There are um, backstory shifts for some of the main characters. Retcons. No, I, oh, okay, maybe not backstory, but like the just story shifts. Mm. Their their ongoing stories mm-hmm. tend to shift a little bit. So I'm very curious as to how that's going to change things. I also know I don't know if it's starting this season or season five. They do start to get more conceptual. Okay, the episodes um, to the point where like true Buffy style. By the end of the series, we're gonna have a whole musical episode. So. I, you know, with with how weird, you know, it it doesn't, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That I could out of all the shows that would go that weird, it would make sense <laughs> for it to be this one. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm I'm I welcome this. Me too. I even if it's, I remember early on, my whole thing was how upset I was by the weird transitions, <laughs> and now now I'm just just you know floating in the water happily. I don't even care anymore. You're going I, down uh, the the. Slip and slide with Pink's wife. Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. Into exactly the pool. That. Yeah, and then into that car, and we go driving away. <laughs> um, I'm happy for the show to go in a weird direction, even if it's a dumb, weird direction that doesn't work. If it's like some Fisher mm-hmm. Price, David Lynch bullshit <laughs> that like tries to be weird and doesn't succeed. Yeah, I don't just just anything more than this because yeah. right now the show is just kind of a weak framework for Tim to be mugging. So anything that takes us, anything that just is bizarre and strange, I will happily accept is just a change. Well, uh, so we do have a potential issue with that in terms of Tim's stardom rising because it hits its peak in the first half of the next season. So I don't know if that's going to assert itself on the show, but two things happen at the end of 1994 that are huge. OJ's (laughs) wife is found dead. (laughs) and uh 1994 midterms the house of representatives goes to the republicans for the first time since 1952 those were the ones right yes exactly okay perfect nailed it please continue So society changes as a whole and that affects how the show unravels society in general goes "Uh?" (laughs) um the first thing that happens yeah tim allen releases don't stand too close to a naked man his first book which is behind you I believe. which we will be covering next season oh god we have to read that now it's a fast read i've read it long ago when i was watching the show for the first time when in its original broadcast my mom uh let me let me read it i mean it is kind of an adult book um not not adult in the way that star and starstruck oh, was god. <laughs> two of the most adult books i've ever read <laughs> and i've read Anne rice <laughs> um the other thing so that happened in september yeah. In November, two months later, the Santa Claus is released. Oh no! Oh yes, we're finally going to get to watch Santa Claus. So we have some big mid-season uh, bonus episodes for you guys that'll that'll be coming up, and so that'll be interesting. But I, I'm curious to see with I mean that is the beginning of Tim becoming 
megastar because oh. in you know that's the end of 94 and then of course in 95 he voices buzz lightyear of course. so i mean he's just going on a meteoric meteoric yes yes meteoric 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 is why why don't you listen to me okay. for a change meteoric meteoric Me- meteoric meteoric i can't help you <laughs> i figure if i just say it quickly no one will know I'm mispronouncing it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you actually got it on that one. Oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that's what we have to look forward to next season. I, I'm better or worse. I'm in it. I'm I'm fully committed. I'm 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 gonna I, New Year's resolution. I, I'm gonna put another ten percent into my performances here. I'm wow! Work. <laughs> oh, okay, man. I mean, I I uh, don't. I mean, yeah, don't go too far. No, I mean, I'm already can... putting fifty percent in, so I'm going to be putting sixty percent effort into next season. I'm going to scale mine back then down okay. down to fifteen. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, I'm 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 excited for it. I'm excited yeah. for any sort of change. I think yeah. that a spoonful of weirdness makes the toxic masculinity go down. <laughs> which actually, if you think about that, it's kind of dirty. Uh, but. I, I I can handle it. I can um I can I can handle a change, even if it's a change in the wrong direction. It's like I feel like the show has been doing the same thing for three seasons. Yeah, I agree. And whatever it is that's coming our way, I embrace it. Yes, and we'll get through it together. Look toward the future with joy, <laughs> which is uh, another thing that does not get said very often. That's these very days. sweet. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm an eternal optimist, which is why I keep getting smacked down by this show. It's like, oh, maybe they'll maybe they'll stop doing weird transitions this week. Nope. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's uh, keep moving this show along. We're going to go into uh, an AMA, a little Ask Me Anything. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so we uh, put it out to our Facebook and Twitter um, followers to submit their questions for us to answer here on um, this show that we do called Grant Work. Yeah, oh, yes, that's what, that's what this thing is. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um so shall i just dive right in yeah uh, i don't know it. that we'll get to all of them we might have to edit but we'll 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 do what we can we we might have to edit this episode <laughs> uh okay here we go so uh the first one i'm gonna give the honor to um our 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 good scotland boy john smith smythe i, I bet they, they they love being called that those <laughs> scotland boys uh he says what's your favorite schwarzenegger movie Oh man, I mean, who who goes first? I, I ask the question. So I'm going to let you answer first. Well, I I have a I have a multifaceted answer. My first my my first answer, and I've got a soundbite to play along with this. Ooh. My favorite Schwarzenegger movie is Lincoln, a <laughs> 1992 PBS documentary about Abraham Lincoln, is told through uh, his letters and letters written by his friends and family. This there's no way this is a real thing. This is a real thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, okay, let me let me just I, I and I will cue up the video. Okay, Abraham Lincoln had a uh, secretary named John G. Nicolay who was born in Bavaria. Uh, and when they were making this PBS documentary, they had uh, like I think Jason Robards is the voice of Lincoln, for example. Uh, but um, so anyway, uh, so they had a certain someone play John G. Nicolay, and I'm going to play a clip of that. Now, the face of the presidential Lincoln had emerged. It was the beginning of a memorable journey, and a whole route from Springfield to Washington at almost every station 
was gathered a crowd of people in a hope to catch a glimpse of the face of the president-elect, or at least to see the flying train. I also don't... What the fuck? I don't know what the flying train what is. What is a flying train? I, I, I don't know. I, this, you'll have to ask John G. Nicolay, who wrote this in like 1860. <laughs> Was um, this like the 1860s version of the 1950s flying cars? I, maybe. Was, maybe. <laughs> was this guy predicting Back to the Future Part 3? In the future, there will be learning computers to make the <laughs> flying trains. Uh, and my, and for all of this, it's like all uh, this is not a Ken Burns documentary, but it has the Ken Burns style like pans over oh, yeah. like old old black and white pictures of people. Also, so <laughs> I I just have to say I love uh, when Schwarzenegger does his kind of um, sentimental uh, sentimental, you know, where he's trying to be like uplifting. Yeah, it happens every once in a while, and it's just like it's a such a weird version of Schwarzenegger. I, which is which is what I, I love about this. I also, if you look up, I know how much you love IMDb and IMDb goofs. Yeah. If you look up this four-hour documentary on IMDb, uh-huh. you will see there is only one goof listed for it. And the goof basically is John, John G. Nicolay was born in Bavaria but emigrated with his family to the U.S. at the age of six where he grew up in Cincinnati. Therefore, he, would, he did not have a strong German accent. <laughs> so... Clearly, uh, it's actually Austrian. <laughs> <laughs> but whoever made this, like the people who made this, the the university researchers and historians who made this documentary, clearly knew that John G. <laughs> Nicolay did not have a thick Austrian slash German yeah. accent, uh, and yet they were clear, so clearly arm twisted into casting Schwarzenegger because this is nineteen ninety two, right when oh, Terminator yeah. was coming out. Right. So you just have to. I love to think of like the battle that happened between these between <laughs> like button down suit and tie researchers and the the studio executives being like, no, 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 but I know he didn't actually have the accent, but we've got this guy right here. <laughs> you gotta get Schwarzenegger, and we gotta get those viewers. It's PBS. There's nothing like the overlap of the Venn diagram of Schwarzenegger fans and PBS documentary viewers. <laughs> the the massive overlap of Schwarzenegger fans and like Civil War buffs. <laughs> Um, so, and, and you want to talk about Civil War buff. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, (laughs) um, but seriously, folks, uh, for my, like, in terms of my actual favorite, like, Mm -hmm. my, my, like, the, the easy answer, what's my favorite, uh, Schwarzenegger movie, Terminator 2, just, because, like, to me, like, hey, that's just the best in terms of quality, objectively speaking, of the movies he's, he's been in. Uh, best in favor being very different though yeah yes certainly certainly and also and when i was a kid terminator 2 was my favorite movie for four or five years very influential to like what you know the just so much of what i look looked for in a movie at the time and to Mm -hmm. some extent still certain things that i look for what i consider a good movie or what i you know why i like the kinds of action movies that i do um you know, Terminator 2 was that. It was a movie that my mom would never let me watch on video, so I could only watch it when it was on basic cable. Ergo, <laughs> no because, violence and no... Yeah, right. they cut out all the worst bits. Yeah. So whenever it was on basic cable, I would always watch it, and it was on basic <laughs> cable a lot. A lot so yeah. I, so, so it, that is probably my favorite, but it's not his best performance. I think his best performance, which therefore is the most fun to watch him yeah. in... It's either Kindergarten Cop or True Lies. <laughs> I would go with True Lies personally. Yeah. Uh, not to, to snipe no, no, your no. favorite best section. No. But, uh, between the two. I mean, I, 
I have an affinity for kindergarten cop, uh, kindergarten yeah. cop. Um, but true lies, I feel like has all of the joy of kindergarten cop with, uh, married to the like action-y yes. persona that he has. Yes. And it's a good play on his image, but also uh, just a legit good performance. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I certainly think tr- like true lies is a better movie and it's a better range of emotions. What I like about kindergarten cop is clearly clearly not a good movie no one is arguing here that <laughs> kindergarten cop is a great movie yeah but he to see him being so big and yeah. cop, like when him, him screaming shut up at the kids and like bugging out his eyes yeah. and like or him like like there's someone looks through the door and he's like running around in the room and there's kids holding on to every part of him it's like that is fun it is like you at, at the at the end of the day hollywood from from the get-go has been like I, I don't know like it th- that is that is entertainment it's a big muscly weird looking dude with a funny accent <laughs> clowning around that's fun yeah true lies certainly better movie and like it shows i think a better range of what he can do as an mm. actor seeing him being really mad and like clocking that guy in the face yeah. in the car um not it's bill not paxton bill paxton yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you know and him and tom arnold together yeah. and what i but also, though, I, he made a movie recently called Maggie, which oh, yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, about like a zombie movie, but like he's got a real dramatic role. I would love to see that because I, I would love to see what he's doing with it. I, yeah, yeah. I love current Schwarzenegger most of all now that like 70% <laughs> of his job is just like fighting global warming and like right. gerrymandering. And then the rest of it is just like kind of pop culture fan service and <laughs> being really active with his fans online. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, the guy he's, yeah, he's good yeah you too yeah surprise you like a republican that's weird i know i know <laughs> he's basically the basically the last chill one even though he was cheating on his wife yeah but, that's but, okay but these days what are you gonna get uh but i i talked for so long i hope i didn't use up all of your juice i'll tell you what i love about schwarzenegger and our conversation here really bores this out which is every movie that i want to talk about you haven't mentioned. Oh, perfect. So it's a good, like, I mean, he he's so across the board that you really have a smattering of, of films to talk about. Yeah. He, Schwarzenegger, I, I did not grow up on action films. I yeah. was really, really sensitive. I couldn't handle violence. Oh, I blame this... RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> see, I've never seen RoboCop. My yeah. parents always shielded me from RoboCop. And I think that is the, that is the break. That is how we came up with different sensibilities. Yes, then. I think so. Uh, but interesting, you know, the seeing RoboCop, uh, the the beginning of that film, like really traumatized me at a yeah. young age because uh, friend's house, um, his older sister had rented a bunch of VHS tapes. I remember the three exactly that she yeah. rented was RoboCop. I saw the first fifteen minutes of that traumatized me. I'm like, no, thank you. Another one was Big, starring Tom Hanks. Saw so the first fifteen minutes, traumatized <laughs> you. Never went to a Zoltar booth. Uh, the other one was twins and that was my first exposure to to arnold schwarzenegger oh my god but i was like six or seven years old when i saw this on vhs over the summer we watched it incessantly um not a great film i i watched it a little bit as you know uh maybe about five or six years ago go ahead you could i'm just saying you can say that about i 85 percent of the movie schwarzenegger has been in you can in that exact tone like not a great film, but like there's there's always so many merits to yeah. them. Yeah, none of them are great films. Yeah, please. But the thing is, with 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 my experience with Schwarzenegger, is that every 
stage of development of uh, studying film and enjoying film, he's always reappeared in a like a milestone of what I was watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was getting into art house films, um, I don't know maybe about twenty years ago. Yeah, shocked to find him in the Robert Altman movie, one of his first appearances in The Long Goodbye. Uh, yeah, starring Elliot Gould. There's there's that that gangster, that Jewish gangster, yeah. and he's like the thing like, he's like the bodyguard. I, and I, I I cheated on my wife, and so I took off all my clothes in front of her and asked her to forgive me. And then he's got like Schwarzenegger's taking off <laughs> yeah. his clothes at one point. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, so it was just like bizarre. And then once I started getting into action films, clearly, I mean, he dominated. Uh, oh yeah, you know everything that I was watching, and I. I think the the most concise experience of Schwarzenegger's is The Predator. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's my, my horror slant. I think The Predator as a monster is one of the best designed monsters ever. He's one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> um, I, I love The Predator, but my favorite, and it, it's... It's more of a recent discovery, but one that I've watched enough times to feel confident to say it's my favorite Schwarzenegger movie, mm-hmm. which is Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay, okay. I saw I saw it so long ago. I yeah. I just remember him as a child pushing that wheel around, and then they crossfade to him as an adult. Yes. It's just like all you got to do to be that ripped is just push a wheel around for your whole life. <laughs> um, now I, I will admit, you know, the hypocrisy of slamming. Uh, home Improvement week after week for being part of the patriarchy and then listing Conan the Barbarian as my favorite Schwarzenegger film, which is so misogynistic. Yeah, but it's not masquerade, but it's a, at least not trying to position itself as something else. Like, it's like, yeah, we're, right. we're back in this a- this lawless age before science or reason, and it's all just, like... I don't know. I'm not. I'm not giving it a pass either. But I'm yeah. also saying it's not it, like Home Improvement is saying like this is a recipe for modern life, <laughs> right? The, and so the reason I love Conan the Barbarian is because for one thing, the direction of it is just so not what you'd expect. It comes from John Milius, who was a cinematographer yeah. going you know before it, and so it's just got this like really rich textures with you know beautiful landscapes and photography it's just and it 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 teeters into the surreal as well you've got james earl jones oh uh, the snake dude as the snake you know uh sorcerer and one of the the moments that you know if you're looking at villains in films granted this isn't about schwarzenegger but uh setting up the the menace of a a villain Mm -hmm. is always kind of tricky and very important and i think that the way that they handle it uh with james earl jones in conan the barbarian is one of the like all-time greatest villain setups yeah which is he arrives uh after i think some pillaging and stuff and all of his followers kind of come out and there's these cliff sides uh up above you know to the to the left of them and he just like motions and one of his followers dives off the cliff for wow. him and it just like shows the power without saying a word. And he, and, you know, James Earl Jones has, has that piercing. Oh, I love that film so much. Yeah. And that's him doing it even without, without even using his big authoritative voice that he's got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just, and, you know, James Earl Jones's wig and that is fucking ridiculous, but um, <laughs> he's got this like weird Cleopatra wig. I don't know if you remember, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes into these long, uh, dialogueless sequences that are kind of surreal, like that whole orgy 
sequence uh, with the transformation into the snake. It's so weird and exactly what I want out of a fantasy film. Yeah. Um, so that I, I can go on <laughs> about that for forever, but I won't. Um, but, you know, Kindergarten Cop was something that I saw in the theater. Uh, last Action Hero, I have to mention. It's one I never saw. You know, And for how much I like action movies yeah. and how much I grew up with them, I probably should like it more. That's one that I saw in the theater and was definitely in the minority growing up of like people slammed that film yeah i think it's gained a big cult following since then yeah and i've watched it as an adult a number of times and it holds up at least to my original experience with it i you know i think that that movie i don't think that film fandom was in quite the place that it was when that came out i think that the sort of fandom that 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 movie is about like to my understanding like it's a movie for people who love movies in a certain way and I think more there are more people like that now, yeah. now that film discussion is a bigger thing and yeah. that appreciation of is bigger. It's, you know, because uh, I think New Nightmare had come out the same year as um, uh, Last Action Hero, or maybe even the year after, and then Scream didn't come out until three years after. So this whole idea of meta cinema didn't exist then. So I yeah. think that it was a little like, how am I supposed to absorb this film? Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus you have Charles Dance from Game of Thrones fame putting in an amazing performance. Uh, anyway, th- those are my um, long-winded uh, Schwarzenegger thoughts, although I could go into Batman and Robin, but I'm not going to. <laughs> hey, man, you really need to chill out. <laughs> but it has been nice to meet you. <laughs> you just took my ice pun. I was going to say, let's put that question on ice. Uh, if Let's talk about it for one second to okay. at least say in Batman and Robin, when... Our first scene in Mr. Freeze's lair where he, like, he's got all of his minions in, like, this ice box or whatever, and they're all watching the, what is it, the, 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 the claymation Christmas special, the Frosty the Snowman, yes. yeah. and they've got, like, I'm Mr. White Christmas, mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Snow, and he's, like, leading all of his forcing them all to sing to yeah. sing and he's like trying to conduct them <laughs> and like they're all like they're shivering and trying to eat tv dinners that are still frozen <laughs> and i remember i remember i watched that with you and some and some other people yeah. and i certainly remember that i i had had some some of satan's cabbage at that time but i was thinking like <laughs> what am what is this so why was this put in the movie am i hallucinating <laughs> is this normal do all movies have a thing like this yeah but just that out of nowhere it's it's Listen, if you want to revisit that movie, and I highly recommend you do with this as a caveat, put on the subtitles yeah. while watching it. Because th- this is kind of how I rediscovered the kitschiness of that film. Yeah, I was at a Barney's Beanery with two friends, couldn't hear it, but it was playing on a TV with the subtitles. And it really, really draws attention to people wrote these lines. <laughs> <laughs> and people are performing these lines that have been written. And it just adds a whole new layer to like, what the hell is this movie? I, there's like, isn't that the, there's the the big, Uma Thurman is in it. There's a yeah. the big jungle themed party where she's like, and she like, it's yeah, all these guys playing like jungle drums and she comes in dressed as a gorilla and is swinging around <laughs> and then takes off her helmet and starts doing a sexy dance in her gorilla costume and all the guys fall in love with her. Like the sexy dancing gorilla lady. (laughs) Wow. Do you want to just cut off the podcast and watch Batman and Robin, actually? (laughs) Yeah, actually. Um, So (laughs) there's our our Schwarzenegger 
uh, thing. Let's go into a, a quicker question. Yes, yes, next. certainly. This comes from uh, Eric Montgomery. Okay. Of the fan theory world. Oh, oh, Eric. Yeah, good to Eric. hear from you. Yeah, he's great. Um, okay, this is another non-home improvement related question. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I don't know that this is a verbatim question. I, I just wrote it after he wrote it. So uh, how do you get both titty tassels to spin in opposite directions? Uh, I think that's by... Well, it's not a thing that happens all at once. It's something that it obviously takes a lot of... of like, you've got, you've got to, like... I think it's doing exercises with both your pecs, like, individually. So you've yeah. got to first learn that kind of muscle memory to, like move them independently of one another yeah I, that's exactly what i was going to go into i my, i have a couple friends who are uh professional jugglers oh okay and do i do i know them have there been secret <laughs> professional jugglers in our midst this whole time uh there haven't uh, but uh i'm not saying that i would tell you if there were wow <laughs> because because i would always just be asking them to every time i saw them every party be like hey yeah. dude juggle for me <laughs> hey i brought these three chainsaws so they taught me to juggle and uh, the way that they said to start is with one ball, mm. which is like you can't juggle one ball. That, how do you you can't juggle one ball? You need more more than one ball to juggle. Well, the fact that they're telling you to juggle one ball means you probably can juggle one ball. <laughs> but they were saying there is no spoon to start. You need to get the feel of it. Mm. So throw the ball up in the air and feel what it's like to catch it, and and understand the weight of it, and toss it from one hand to the other, and you know once you get comfortable with that motion. Then do two and, mm. and throw that together. And so I would suspect, not that I have any experience with titty tassels. Yes. <laughs> sure, Landon. Sure. <laughs> I would suspect that the process is very similar, where you would start with one titty tassel mm -hmm. and work it going in one direction. And then once you feel comfortable with that. It's too bad there aren't cameras <laughs> on this show because you would, you would see us both trying to figure this out for ourselves. Once you get comfortable with it going in one direction, before you start integrating the second tassel, what you need to do is alternate from one direction to the other with just one. Mm -hmm. Then get the second one, and then do both in the same direction, mm -hmm. and then do two in this other direction until you get a real feel for how your body moves, how to – once it becomes an extension – once it becomes part of the titty. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's how where you can't tell where the tassel stops and the titty begins. <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think we're we're both more or less saying the same thing, which is that you can't you can't embark on this journey uh 15 minutes before the burlesque show starts. You have to be <laughs> prepping this well in yeah. advance this is several months of your life don't expect immediate results this is going to be a process you have to dedicate yourself and not not just willy-nilly you have to put in time every single day to getting those titty tassels to turn yeah because if if getting your titty tassels to go separate directions was easy everyone would be doing it <laughs> i'm doing every it right now though <laughs> underneath my shirt because you've been practicing i know it's a lifelong uh dream of mine to become a professional titty tasseler turner well well you know those who those who can't turn titty tassels teach about turning <laughs> titty tassels so you you've you've done a great job there <laughs> um let's go on to our next question which is actually home improvement related oh thank god yeah um uh, a somewhat new listener uh named cheyenne okay uh, on facebook asked what would you buy from the binford warehouse the binford warehouse oh man I mean, 
off the top of my head, the first thing that I think of is that super powerful vacuum that almost sucked up Mark. But I realize that's a Tim <laughs> that's a Tim Taylor original. That's not a Binford yeah, it, supply. It may have started as a Binford va- vacuum, though. Yeah, a shop it, vac. Yeah, it might have. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about that for a second. Like, what would you get? Well, I well, well I actually, yeah, I, I have an answer. But before, I, I just want to go on this thought for a second. Wouldn't wouldn't the, the Binford version of something be the more powered version of? Like, have we have we seen Tim do more power to a Binford item? I feel like we have. Yeah. I feel like we've seen, or certainly Al will pull out on the show. I Before that, I've got the Binford whatever, whatever. Yeah. And Tim will say, but that is insufficient, so I have made my own. Right. So he, do you think he's using a, a Binford product as his starting point, it though? It se- seems safe to me if mm. those are what he's getting for free from the company. He's not yeah. going to fuck with his own tools. <laughs> right. In that case, I'm wondering why... Binford allows him to bastardize their products that they're supposed to be promoting. Uh, yeah, you know, I can't really say for sure. I mean, except that he's not very good. He's not a very good pitchman other than that. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, lump that under all the other questions we have about the show and sure. what, what purpose it serves. Yeah. But what would you what would you order? Well, here's the thing. Uh, if we're walking into the Binford warehouse. Yeah, which is like Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah, it's just got crates everywhere. Top men. <laughs> I would take the Binford uh, Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that takes the Bible and it gives it more power. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to see how many more faces get melted if you open that thing. Um, well, here's the thing: like Binford has branded pretty much any product. I mean, we have toy trains that are Binford branded at this point. That's what I would get actually, because yeah? I really do like model trains. <laughs> If I had the space in my in my place, I would I would set up a very elaborate model train. If we're only allowed to pick one item, that that's oh man, that is really really difficult to choose. Um, I would probably as, and I even responded to this as a comment on her question. Um, I might say a pack of the Benford boxer shorts. Yeah. <laughs> You know, honestly, if it's again, we compare it to Kirkland probably every three episodes. If it's as yeah, good right. as the Kirkland boxers, I mean, it's something that would be the most practical. I mean, even though I don't wear boxers, yeah, um, you know, they would be the most practical thing to use. I mean, I don't use tools that often. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, my my other answer feels like it would be boring, which would be like a Binford hammer or a Binford screwdriver. I, I would get like I would maybe get like a some sort of. I don't know, like Binford subscription service to a handyman service where you can call a Binford technician to come out and do stuff, <laughs> provided it's not Tim. Yeah. If the thing I can get out of the Binford catalog is is one coupon for Al to come over and fix up your place. <laughs> I, do I, you think you can order the men's kitchen or bathroom <laughs> from the Binford catalog? Yeah, I could, but I don't want those things. They're <laughs> A, very expensive, yeah. and B, sucky and terrible. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to have a butcher in my kitchen, <laughs> because because almost every day would be I'd go in there and be like, Hey Truman, you want you want any beef? Nope. I'm gonna. I was just gonna get to do some rice and cauliflower again today. Okay, you just haven't had beef in a while. It's like, yeah, I don't eat much red meat. It's not good for your health. Well, I live in here, so give me something. At least give me a Game Boy. <laughs> and scene. And that was scene. Truman talking to the butcher. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. Uh, I was, yes, that's probably, that's, I think though, honestly, the model train, most likely that. That's a fun one. Cause you can, you can, we, that would be something we could put in tool time corner. Yes, exactly. And look at it every day. Yeah. (laughs) That would be fun. Wouldn't it? Just pick pick up the train and look at it every day for a few minutes. I have a supplemental question to this, uh, this question. This one's coming from me. Oh, okay. 
Um, I'm thinking specifically of Richard Karn. Yes. Aren't we all? Every minute of every day. Exactly, yeah. And maybe maybe we'll pose this to him on Twitter. Yeah. What Binford product, I guess from the three seasons that we've seen, yeah. do you think he would have taken and kept with him to this very day? You Binford know, specifically, not Hattie. Okay, good. Glad glad you clarified that. Honestly, it would probably be that wood varnish or that or that like wood seal that he was putting on at the beginning of Crazy for You. Uh-huh. Just because I feel like at the end of the, like Tim is into the big powerful tools and stuff, but yeah. Al is into the like Al would make a real study of it and like, well, no, the varnish you get your best value with it if you get it for free, and it it enhances the 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 lifetime of your of your wooden decks and and wooden wooden constructed uh, items. I think that Al would find the enduring usefulness in it because varnish is a lot like Al. It's not flashy. It's not a big sexy thing. Yeah. Well, except well, Al is a big sexy thing, <laughs> but it's you know it's not the big uh, glamorous. It's the quality thing. of the wood underneath the varnish. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's something that just enhances and doesn't uh, doesn't steal the show. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I think that's what he'd take. What do you think? Uh, I haven't thought of it since I just thought of the question. But and, and you've been so busy listening to me <laughs> ramble this whole time, uh, knowing that he he himself is a home improvement expert, uh, I would imagine it's you know maybe something like that drill uh, press in the background. Like yeah. that had to go somewhere. Yeah. Unless it already went into Al's house. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway, those were our AMAs. Uh, we do have some more, but, you know, um, we're getting long on time. So Yeah, we're getting long in the time tooth. <laughs> let's, uh, let's save those uh, for another time. Yeah. All right, buddy. We're here now to answer... The ultimate the, questions. The questions that people really want the answers to. The real reason you downloaded this here podcast. <laughs> our favorites. Yes. And I, I like this because... While this season wasn't great, it's forcing us to look for the good in it. Yes, yes, we're fine, and there is good. There is good to There's be. There's a found. lot of good in yes. this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't we start? Uh, just to go down the the bullet list here, we're gonna do our favorite episode, our favorite moment, um, our favorite guest star, our favorite cameo, and then uh, you and I are gonna we're gonna argue. Oh, which we're gonna throw down is Thunderdome. The one time we can't agree and be in agreement. <laughs> I, I I have a I have a sneaking suspicion that we're gonna agree right out the gate this this time. Yeah, I I'm every time that I'm making these choices, I'm like, this one is so out of left field. Landon will never be choosing the same thing as me, and then and then always it seems to, which uh, makes for such great podcasting. Yeah. So we'll we'll um, go over our MVP debate, and then I'm gonna reveal. The people cho- the people's choice. The pe- no, the people choice. The people choice. Um, where we put it to Twitter, uh, the entire cast, the main cast, and let them choose uh, who is going to win. And we have a winner. I'm very surprised by the votes, uh, and I'm excited to get into it. But Excellent. Before we get there, let's go through our random nonsense bullshit. Oh, yeah, because we haven't been doing that already. <laughs> uh, so why don't we start with... Uh, Something simple. Your favorite moment from this season. Okay, my favorite moment, it's easy, and it might be just because we've watched this episode relatively recently. Yeah. It's in Crazy for You. Okay. It's when Tim picks up the phone, and he says, Taylor Residence, happy Halloween, boo. (laughs) That is so funny to me that 
like it just, just if for one concentrated moment of what I love about the show and what I wish it could be more <laughs> yeah. is like how just just deadpanning that line and how how wacky and absurd that is. And I just wish the show was more like that. I love I love when the show says, "Hey, we're a weird eccentric family," and they take it as so normal that they play it as boring. Oh, Truman, I I can't tell if I want to crush your dreams now or or let it happen organically. What what would it, is that yours too? No. What? That's something that he does from here on out every Halloween. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh. So just what you were saying about it repeating itself endlessly. This show always finds a way to hurt me. <laughs> it always does. I'm sorry. This show is just, it's just... But you know what? It doesn't take away from your first experience with it. Well, yeah, but except this does now. This <laughs> takes away from my first time in a big way. <laughs> Well, I don't know. What's your favorite moment in hopes that I can ruin that for you? <laughs> My favorite moment is actually from the episode Dollars and Cents. And it's the interaction with uh, the owner of the memorabilia store. Uh, yes, yeah. He is, uh, that actor is is great. And his performance <laughs> is wonderful. What about that? I it's It's, to me, it's a great example of character actors. Uh, in which, a corner. <laughs> In a corner, um, character actors really living the part, and something that this show is known for that I think is one of the better aspects of the show is mm. its character casting. Yeah, it's you know guest star casting. Yeah, um, that David Wall who plays it is like just uh, it's it's not he's not like grasping. I this is my moment in, in fame. You know he he's playing it as the character. Yeah, and uh, the interactions that he has both with Tim and Jill. Um, throughout that episode are just brilliant. Yeah. Um, I, to me, that is still the thing that gets me to giggle the most. It's the, the moments that I want to go back and revisit the most. I'm actually surprised that, um, I'd say a good runner up would be very early in the season when, um, Al was having his birthday. Yeah. And he had all those like little disappointing pouty moments <laughs> when he's, uh, trying to, you know, come to terms with Turning 35, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was 35. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know, I know. As someone who just turned 30, it's hard yeah. to see Al's age five years ahead of mine. <laughs> As someone who just turned 36, I can't believe I'm older than Al. But, um, yeah, so that's a good runner-up for me. But uh, that David Wall in the... the um, memorabilia store it, that i remember that scene and it was unlike any of the other character actor mm -hmm. bits that we've had this season yeah. yeah yeah um so that that's my favorite moment okay should we go into your favorite episode yeah i think we should okay why don't you hit me with a runner-up with a runner-up for Do my you, favorite uh, if episode? you have one i mean runner-up favorite episode like my my favorite episode was so was so clear and out front if i had to say for uh a, what a runner-up first uh uh, favorite episode would be I, I like Eve of Construction a lot just in that it is wacky goofy fun it is not necessarily a great episode it's just but like a, the, a very conceptual episode it, it's conceptual and I don't know Jimmy Carter being the, there yeah, Jimmy yeah. Carter right it, it's a, yeah it is a break from the monotony that's yeah. really what it is it's just, there's so much different stuff and <laughs> them being being out on location and yeah. Tim getting shown up by a bunch of women mm -hmm. you know even though it was not done really particularly well it was still good to see that happen it wasn't done well but it was done it was done <laughs> 
It was, yeah, it was certainly, I would say it was more like medium rare rather than done well. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm sending it right back to the kitchen. It was cold on the inside. <laughs> but I, so that was my runner up. My favorite episode is A So-So Evening. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Joe Morton's uh-huh. introduction. Uh, it's that, and, and the reason is that it's just the best constructed episode. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, of the entire show so far, they set up. You know, the first few scenes set up a bunch of things that Joe Morton... Like, Tim confides a bunch of things about Jill in Joe Morton, who is not a good confidant. And then, uh, you know, you get this scene with them out at dinner where all of the things... Like, then Joe spills the beans on all the things Tim has told him in front of Jill. (laughs) Right. And it's like one thing kind of compounds another to make it bigger and bigger and worse and worse a true sitcom structure yeah yeah and then and then there's that great callback about like uh bring some dinner rolls we need to mop up the blood or something (laughs) like that which is first used in reference to the meat and then is used in reference to tim being about to die (laughs) and i i I don't know i i so it was very it it was like very i and i said this in the episode at the time it felt like frazier it was very farce type comedy and the thing is it was this glimpse of the fact that if the show went in on this kind of farce-type comedy more often, it would work. Mm-hmm. Tim Allen does well with it. He's got this big, expressive face, yeah. and his kind of him mugging for the camera as he realizes things are turning against him and yeah. being anxious and nervous, that works really well. He's good at telegraphing yeah. that. Jill being mad at Tim is always funny. <laughs> and and the Mortons were pretty good. Like, I really yeah. like, uh, I can't, I can never remember her name, uh, Joe's wife. Marie? Marie. Yeah. Like, I love, I love Marie, and I love her being introduced. I love this feisty friend of Jill's who, who has this kind of no-nonsense sensibility. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they had a lot of good characters bouncing off each other, and I wish the show was like that more. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. What is your favorite episode? Well, what's your runner-up favorite episode, and then what's uh, your favorite? Yes, I, my, my runner-up is Dollars and Cents, which okay. is the memorabilia store episode. Yes. And the reason I put it as my runner-up is because, I don't know if you remember, that was the episode that I, the one episode that I missed oh, as a kid. yes, the, yeah, you were in Florida or yeah, something. So yeah, so this was a pure experience watching it, and because of that, I feel like I'm biased in that, I don't have any memory of it. So this is, yeah. you know, if it had played a part in my childhood the way the rest of these episodes did, I might, it might be, you know, a level playing field. So because of that, I don't want to choose it as my favorite. How do you think your childhood would have turned out? How would your life have turned out had you watched that episode in its original broadcast run? Do you I think can tell you. Different? Yeah, I yeah. do. Very much so. Because I will have, I would have finished watching Home Improvement from start to finish. Yeah. And wouldn't have felt like there's this void in my life in which I try to fill by being a completionist for everything else. <laughs> so you mean you wouldn't have platinumed Red Dead Redemption? Exactly. You wouldn't have. You wouldn't be this completionist with every video. You would have. Yeah. You would have saved years of your life on The Witcher Three. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ah yeah. oh, man. Wow. <laughs> well, that went to a little bit of a, a, a darker place than I expected. <laughs> That's what you get with me. Um, <laughs> That's the brand. My favorite episode, though. Yes. Uh, I think just because it subverts it the show in a way that is kind of exciting and um does a payoff for something we've been um uh kind of expecting not expecting but has been um kind of teased at us since Mm -hmm. the very first season which is too many cooks the cooking with irma episode yeah you know yeah that one i kind of yeah that one kind of flew under my radar but you're right well you know i think there are parts of it where tim is you know that one definitely ends kind of problematically for me. Yeah. Uh, with Tim just not wanting to do a thing and then kind of getting his way a little bit. But 
Um, I, th- you know, I, and I would have liked to see more of Al really taking the reins of hosting a show. Yeah, more of Al taking the reins, and then more of Al going power mad. Yeah, uh, and I would have liked to see more like shenanigans uh, of things going wrong on the cooking with Irma set. Yes. Um, but that that said, I think that the subversion of Tool Time through cooking with Irma was a lot of fun. And we, we still got to play with the template of, you know, the power dynamics and all that stuff that we're used to. Um, I don't know. It was, just, it was just, like, a really, really fun episode. It's kind of like an extension of when Al hosted Tool Time that first season. Yeah. Um, that I, you know, still haven't fully uh, itched, the, itched that scratch. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the Flip that's... it, reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would still like to see another episode down the line where where they switch positions again and Al kind of takes the reins and Tim is uh, the assistant and yeah second they, banana yeah they really really play that to its full extent but uh, that said as far as this season is concerned too many cooks mm-hmm. ends up being my favorite and that is a good that is a good choice there's a lot of range to uh, their performances and their characters that you see in that one yeah just doesn't go doesn't go far enough but it, it's <laughs> it's a promising step yeah. Um, so let's go on to our favorite cameo. Okay. Now this is, now I want to just kind of give some criteria here. Uh, separating guest star from cameo. Cameo is someone playing themselves in an episode, usually for just a scene for a sweeps week sort of deal. So you have your Isaiah Thomas's, you have your John and Elway, Evander Holyfield, and the rest of the people for Eve of Construction. Yeah. You have your Jimmy Carter. You have your uh, Michael Andretti and Johnny Rutherford. Yeah. The crew of the Endeavor. Yes. Um, and Bob motherfucking Vila. BMFV. <laughs> was here on the back of the Tool Time set. That 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 would real that that's where the feud really begins. How dare you swear on my set? <laughs> so um. So with those in mind, do you have a favorite cameo? Because I feel like. This is really hard for you because you so often hate the cameos on this show. Uh, yeah, well, no, actually, this was extremely easy for me. Uh, oh. It's President Jimmy Carter, <laughs> and and here's why. Okay, here, here here's why. Um, Camp David Accords. I think that's really really good. I mean, being able to try and find common ground in the Middle East—that's not easy. Uh, creating the Department of Energy. <laughs> It's forward-looking executive-level policy. He understood the importance of energy independence uh, as a matter of national security for America. Uh, Three, crews are working around the clock to repair your house, Tim. I love that. (laughs) I love love Tim Taylor getting dunked on by a former president for how shitty he is at building houses. Uh I I really love the delivery on that. Um, Fourth... Out of all of the cameos, all the cam- people who made cameos on the show, yep. he's the only one to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh. Well, so I feel like he's, he's very well qualified. I have a surprise for you. Yeah. Michael Andretti, actually. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, what about his brother? Did his brother get one, too? I don't know who his brother is, but his father did. No, no. His brother is Mario. <laughs> Uh, they, they actually they took it away because he was lying about that guy being his dad. If they were brothers, Michael's name would be Luigi. Oh, that's how that is that. Well, you would know more about Italian naming conventions than I do. So if one of if one brother is named Mario by Italian law, the other one has to <laughs> exactly. be named Luigi. Yeah. And if there's one thing you cannot run afoul of, it is Italian law because their <laughs> government is very stable. <laughs> Take that Italian society. <laughs> 
Uh, I think that's a pretty strong choice, and yeah. of course, the one yeah. that I would have assumed you were going to pick. Yeah, it seems pretty easy. What, what were you? What is? What is your thought? Well, uh, maybe it's just to be not contrary, but to give variety here. Uh, I think Jimmy Carter is leaps and bounds the best cameo of the season. But um, if you pick Ted Kennedy, so help me God, <laughs> it happened. He got scooped once by him, not again. <laughs> I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a strong scene. No. Not a strong cameo. No. I'm picking him for the sheer surrealistic nature of the corn on the cob bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. <laughs> it, to me, like, if you take it out of the context of the show, it's the type of joke that I find super funny. This is, like, mundane, completely irrelevant, incorrect trivia about a celebrity yeah that he loves corn on the cob that he loves corn on the cob just crazy for cob corn (laughs) that's like such a weird fucking thing uh that you know if i don't think back on the actual scene and i just think of the joke itself it's funny to me yeah um and that alone you know the fact that isaiah thomas gave me that I'll take it. <laughs> That's in his entire career. That was the best thing he's given you. Well, no, no. I was definitely a basketball fan during the Bad Boys era, and that's the best thing he's given me. Okay, okay. Second best thing. being on, Well, really, and given how much you loved Home Improvement, that was a real, like, Isaiah Thomas oh, yeah. being on Home Improvement. Oh, man. The next best thing would be uh, Alan Trammell being on, who was from the Tigers. Oh, yeah. And my grandfather just met him uh, oh. recently. I don't know if I mentioned this on air. My grandfather, this season, who... Uh, my grandfather is 104. Holy shit. Throughout, Congratulations. He is officially the oldest Tiger fan in existence. That's amazing. And he threw out the first pitch at a Tigers game that's, this year. That's so cool. I that's know. super relevant Detroit history <laughs> stuff, like in the making. Yeah. Good for your grandpa. That's so kick-ass. And he got to meet uh, Alan Trammell, came out for it, and, and nice. thanks him, and... Uh, yeah, it was very exciting. If I if I knew who Alan Trammell was, this would be even more exciting. But but it's really cool <laughs> that, that uh, he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's enough uh, Detroit sports history. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I could I could take a little bit more, but that's yeah. fine. That's Let's fine. go into favorite guest star, and I just want to make a, a caveat for this as well. I narrowed this list down to people who had like memorable scenes, who actually had like character names. Sure. Um, and and even beyond that, like they had to have an impact on the narrative. Yeah. Um, so like as much as I love Amy Steele from the Friday the Thirteenth series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't put her or any of the the baby shower attendees yeah. there because they were just kind of collateral to the actual scene as yes. opposed to uh, affecting it. So, with that in mind, we we have a narrow thing. I'm I don't think anyone's gonna benefit from me listing off everybody. Yeah, I think here, I think we're good. I think we're I think we're okay. Why don't we just talk about a few and then choose our our favorite? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll just throw one out. The first one that appears to me that is, it's not my choice, but I'm just throwing him out for first discussion. M. Emmett Walsh as uh, Jill's father. You know, I, I just like M. Emmett Walsh. I just like seeing him in things. Yeah. And he was. I was certainly when I was going through and doing the choices. That was an early one because mm-hmm. he chews on that scenery more than than the average uh, more than the average character actor yeah, does. Absolutely on this show. Yeah. I think, and I think it's a bit of really, really good casting. Like mm-hmm. we we've heard of the Colonel for two seasons, two and yeah. a half seasons, leading up to his appearance here, and he's one of the few people that I feel like don't let us down when we see him. Yeah, honestly, I mean he he is a it, like you got an appropriately larger than life actor to yeah. play a larger than life kind of figure, and he 
you know, they give him the, like, he has some real development in the show, too. Like, they actually kind of dig into what makes him the way he is and how that affected his family. Yeah, absolutely. I, of, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy M. Emmett Walsh. He wasn't my choice, though. Yes. I didn't end up choosing him as my favorite. Sort of teasing. (laughs) Uh, how about you? Do you want to, how about, um, do you want to talk about, uh, Sherry Hersey? You know, she, she plays an important role this season, and I think that she does a really good job of kind of conceive or convincingly portraying a woman who is sort of al's opposite number like someone who it makes sense that she and al would be together and Mm -hmm. stuff like that um so i i yeah i mean i i certainly like the contributions that she made i don't think there was any one episode where she was where she was really hilarious or any outstanding thing but part of that is also the quality of the material she was being given yeah a true uh and you know i i did i just say a chew at you, <laughs> bless me. Yeah, um, that is true, and I hope to see her get more uh, substantial scenes and episodes uh, as we move along here. Because I know yeah. she continues to play a part of the show. Oh, that's good. So, I'm glad she's not going to disappear. Yeah, she's us. not. She's not going to Greta post us. She's not going to uh, Jenny Sadarsky us. <laughs> right. Which uh, we actually, I don't think she. Uh, I don't think Jenny appears at oh. all in this. Yeah, she. They break up really early on. They do. Was she in the David Copperfield episode? I can't remember that. Where Brad's trying to read David uh, Copperfield I, no, for her. I think. I think it's. I think she's always off screen. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Um, but we do get uh, Leanne Orsi, who plays Ashley, Brad's new girlfriend. Oh yes, she yeah. plays a few episodes. Yeah, he's kind of new punk rock girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, bad influence. Um, she seems sufficient yeah she that's honest that's really all we can say right now she's enough to be sufficient but i i don't know more about yeah not not on the actor's part but you know i think just because there hasn't been a substantial episode with her yet yeah um there are a few others that are worth mentioning but why don't we just go and do you have a runner-up or do you just want to go right into your choice um or anyone specific you want to mention i'm just deciding if there's yeah i'm I'm looking over the, the list if there's anybody i mean well, I mean, always, always Pete and Dwayne from K and B. Always, yeah. Always just some mention of them because I always like seeing them. Weird that Rock didn't appear at all this season. Yeah, I know we lost him completely, and I think I know why. Why? Because someone built this city on him. <laughs> um, there, there's another K and B crew member who we haven't met called Roll. <laughs> yeah. And we're never going to meet him because the city's also built on him. Yes. Uh. He actually, the the actor who plays him, uh, was on Grace Under Fire oh. uh, for a while. Yeah, uh, I don't. I watched that show as well when it was on, but I don't have much memory of it, so I don't even know the extent of his role on that show. But mm-hmm. I would imagine there was some overlap and probably a commitment that he couldn't come back to this role because of it. So, yeah. um, that that's probably why he's gone. But you know, Pete. Pete, I think, is the standout of the K&B guys, and that's why he gets his own episode this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think that that certainly they're they're doing a lot with the ones who who are there now. They're kind of assigning more and more character traits to them, and I, yeah. I think that Pete certainly, uh, you know, in terms of his just appearance and demeanor, he seems to have the most character out of all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's very dynamic with his sweetness, but he's also that big burly yeah, construction worker. Yeah, beard. Good, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah you, you couldn't build an episode around Dwayne, who's just kind of there to bounce off of Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dwayne is the setup man. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean, the the my favorite guest star for the season, and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that you might have the same one, is David Wohl, the memorabilia shop owner. Oh. Is, that's not yours, is it? No, it's not. I And I specifically 
didn't choose him because I chose that scene as my favorite uh, moment of the season. Th- that's but just, he, he's my runner-up. He's certainly, he's got that just that kind of sarcastic and deadpan affectation that you don't really see from a lot of other guest stars on the show. Yeah. And it's not the kind of humor that you see much of on Home Improvement either that mm-hmm. he's doing. This very kind of, or at least, except from the boys. Like, yeah. I guess the boys do that kind of sarcasm to each other, but you don't see that with the adults. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It yeah. is, it's just a... So rare do you find an actor in such a part as that throwing away their jokes. Yeah. You know, just kind of tossing them aside, which makes it that much more funny. Yeah. I feel like there's a certain... Not not necessarily they don't evoke the same um, je ne sais quoi, <laughs> but uh, uh, Jason Bateman does kind of the same thing. Instead of, like, really focusing on the setup and punchline of a joke, it's just kind of a... Here it is. Tastes it's just a lot of, like sad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I, I think that's a, a great comedic uh, performance. So uh, I, I doubled down on that. That's, he was my runner-up. So okay, well, great. Well, then, who's your number one? Uh, well, you know, I do feel like it's worth just drawing one last attention to uh, Mariangela Pino, who plays Marie, mm-hmm. um, who has become the new uh, <laughs> Betsy Randall. Yeah, uh, Karen. Yeah, R.I.P. Did she die on the show? I, I, I know. Canon now. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Robert Jill killed her. <laughs> That's why they uh, or Randy. About it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> Maybe they, they helped. I don't know. <laughs> that that uh, uh, dummy hanging from the, the thing and crazy for you that keeps it, popping down is actually Karen. Yeah, it wasn't Pee Wee Herman. It's got dark. Um, Robert Picardo, who plays oh, Joe yeah. Morton, also a very standout performance. Yeah. Uh, and if I was going strictly for comedy, I would probably pick uh, Robert Picardo. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a choice that I think is so nuanced that it's flown under our radars. Yeah. Lee Garlington from the reunion episode. Oh, she played yeah. Joni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of a small well, like it wasn't a small, but it was very big. It was like a big meaty acting bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I think that part of it's due to the writing. It was a, a character that got more attention yeah. than any of the other actors. Mm-hmm. Um but it's another thing, just like M. Emmett Walsh, where they cast the exact right person for that role. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mm-hmm. steal attention away. She plays into, you know, her and Jill's dynamic. Uh, it's just, it's really nuanced. There's a little bit of humor to it. Definitely an underpinning of sadness and like playing regret yeah. is is kind of a tricky um, emotion to play, especially on a sitcom. Yes. So, uh, that, that's my choice. I think she she just did a fantastic job. That's cool. That's cool. Well, yeah. I mean, good for you. Good for you choosing someone who did the bold acting choices and did the big <laughs> acting parts, not just someone who who did the best, you know, clowning around. Which is <laughs> my choice. You make me feel bad for picking what I picked. That now. was my intention. Well, so. well, man, mission mission complete. <laughs> a winner is you. Uh, yeah. And now I'm gonna go watch Psycho Two, which was her first. Oh, that was her big break. <laughs> the the beloved follow up. <laughs> um so that was our favorite guest star how about that guys how about that okay so now the moment we've all been waiting for oh on bated breath <laughs> the mvp the official grunt work mvp yes. debate well oh yeah the official grunt work is when we talk about the grunt count but that's next this is the official <laughs> grunt work debate yes yeah, of mvp um yeah. uh season three and yeah. now I'm just going to run down the main cast, the people that are contenders here. Yeah. And then, you know, do you want to just do elimination style like we've done in the past? Yeah, sure. I think we'll eliminate. I think there are a bunch will get eliminated rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, so before we go into this, I just want to establish the criteria, which follows three main rules. 
what did they bring to the show and would the show be the same without them? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was their progression throughout the season, their character arc, uh, and how many moments of brilliance they had? Did they just shine in their part? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like those three things will help kind of balance um, balance the scales a little bit. Yeah. So uh, here are the people that are nominated that we have to start to eliminate. Um, Tim Allen, Patricia Richardson, Richard Karn, Earl Hinman, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Zachary Ty Bryan, Taryn Noah Smith, and Debbie Dunning. Yeah. So, uh, let's just get started right out the gate. Throw someone on the chopping block and, and uh, let's get down to business. Debbie Dunning, chop. Chop. I love her. I, she's great, but just, like, there's really nothing. Yeah. I mean, she's you know, still got more this season than, than Pamela Anderson got. Absolutely. And I think it's worth just taking a moment, a very brief moment, to just mention her because we haven't this, this episode yet. Yeah. Um, she's stepping into Pamela Anderson's role, which, weird, I've in one season forgotten that Pamela Anderson was on this show. It's it's really weird, yeah. yeah. We keep forgetting that, and, and it's, it's like, why did we talk so much about her in the past? <laughs> I know that Heidi does become a more integral part of the stories moving sure, yeah, forward, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll just reiterate what I've said throughout the season, which, you know, she's very plucky and very opti- you know, very positive. I, I think she's a great addition. Uh, I think she steps into the role of the tool girl very well, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just excited to see her do more. As of now, not by any fault of her own, eliminated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not your fault. There just wasn't room for you in yeah, this thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you want to throw one on the, on the block? Yeah, I'm going to go controversial right at the gate. Okay. Uh, I'm going to eliminate Earl Hinman. That's not too controversial for me. I honestly think the Wilson scenes this season were, were some of the least impressive. Yeah. I think that I, part of the reason that you kept zoning out during them is because... This season, it, it seemed to be the wisdom was less good. There seemed to be less psychology involved, and more, even more than ever before, it was just him recapping to Tim what's going on yeah. or saying something painfully obvious. That said, he does have more moments of brilliance this season. I feel like than in past seasons. I'm thinking of Real Men when he was at the ice shanty. True. Uh, when he is dressed up as a fan of the opera and crazy yeah. for you. Yeah, dra- dragging the uh, the rose across <laughs> Tim's cheek seductively. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so I like seeing Wilson out of his elements a bit more, and I think giving him uh new giving earl hinman new stuff to do is a lot of fun but uh for the exact reasons you said um i think think he's got to go yeah fair i'll 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 accept that (laughs) all right you're up next all right a controversial one patricia richardson Mm. you know not easy for me to say this uh but the fact is i mean she's still great obviously but i think that this season a uh I don't know. Jill seems to Jill lost some of her bite in this season, I think. And that's again, not the fault of her. I think that's the fault of the writing. Yeah. But she didn't, she didn't, you know, she wasn't as strong here as she's been in the past. Agreed. Yeah. So not 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 performance wise, but just material wise, character wise. There's not as much of an arc or whatever. Right. Have there. Yeah. Yeah. As great as it is that she's back at work now. Yeah. And I, I think that it's worth drawing attention to some of her better performances. Uh, the, the episode, uh, swing time mm-hmm. when she gets the, the the gazebo at the end i think that was a, just a fantastic performance yes that was very good on a more comedic side her uh auctioning off in great race yeah uh, her playing nervous on air was a lot of fun yeah and yeah. um bouncing off of colossus actor uh mm at walsh uh in the colonel 
yeah. was, you know, no small feat. Yeah. So she, it was a great showcase of her skills this season, but just having awarded this to her in the past, I don't think she rises to that level again here at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, agreed. Yeah. Uh, so we are in agreement and unfortunately my favorite person is eliminated. Yes. Yes. Well, tied for favorite. Yeah. I, mean, I love her. She's yeah. fun though. Okay. Uh, I guess it's my turn to throw someone out. Yeah. Um, you know, this feels like an easy one. I'm just gonna throw. Th- he breaks my heart because I feel like I only defend him, but I'm gonna throw Taryn Noah Smith under the bus. Yeah, throw him. I'm. I will be the first one to 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 just push down on the accelerator and and keep that bus moving. Yeah. Uh, I, this wasn't his season. It, he, it wasn't barely in it because he's yeah. at an awkward age. Yeah, but you know, I will say that I'm excited. I do see a turn in his character mm-hmm. of being a little more assertive, getting more lines like punchlines yeah and i'm excited to see how that develops moving forward i think what he was given he did the most he could with it being a child actor um but yeah again not his fault yeah he's just he's gone yeah he tried his best uh who do you want to throw uh you know i i know that i'm gonna get a lot of pushback on this but tim allen chopping block i i was gonna uh i was gonna kind of play coy on that and see if like the listeners are going to be like, are they actually going to pick Tim Allen? As- <laughs> uh, oh, man. And there I went and killed all of the, the suspense. Do you want to, can I take it back? Can I see another one? You can take it back, but uh, I think I've already let the cat out of the bag that I'm ready to eliminate him yeah, as let's, well. Yeah, let's ask Tim Allen. Do we have to explain why? He was never, he's never going to get MVP. He might someday. I mean, I, I'm not willing to just f- dismiss him entirely from the show. Um, you know, I'd give him MVP for the movie Toy Story, maybe. Oh, there you go. But yeah. uh, <laughs> who knows? 1995. I mean, we're gonna delve into that a little bit next season. So yeah, maybe that'll be his year for the grunt work MVP. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. you know, they tend to sweep all the major categories <laughs> and when it happens. Who doesn't want this gigantic MVP trophy that we hand out to the uh, recipients? I know most of our budget was spent on having this thing commissioned, made out of <laughs> sterling silver. Uh, so we are in agreement. Tim Allen, much to the chagrin of, I'm sure, a lot of listeners, uh, yes. is eliminated yet again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with another easy one. Yeah. Zachary Ty Bryant. Uh, yeah. Last year was the season I pushed I, for him. I know, and I... And I... <sighs> part, part of me was like, it needs to be... Like, part of me feels bad about that and wanted, wanted to push for him this season. I don't know. I like that he... I like that he had the moment with getting his own room. Yeah. I like that whole thing. I liked him going through the breakup with Jenny Sidarsky. Yeah. But it, it's like this... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess that all the reasons that I think of for one... Like, I was thinking like, well, yeah, and he had that... That, you know, where he was getting in trouble with the cops, and then and then Tim, you know, anointed him with grease, and then I'm like, wait, that was season two. Really should have given it to him for season two. Uh, Are you saying that I should stop conceding so quickly? Uh, and start sticking up for my opinions more. I'm saying the fact that we didn't have a more vigorous debate last year means yeah. that we can't have a more vigorous debate this year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't fight on that. I okay. can't fight on that. Well, we're down to two people, and this is a very interesting battle because uh, I personally don't know where it's going to go. I think it could go in either direction. I, I can't quite read your poker face here. Oh, well... I mean, do you want me to say who I'm picking for the MVP or who I'm throwing on the chopping block? Well, we are down to Richard Karn and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. So let's, instead of throwing someone on the chopping block, let's just make our cases for both of them. Yeah. Uh, and then reveal who we're picking. Sure. I'll uh, start with, uh, if you don't mind, f- with uh, Richard Karn. Go for it. I think, you know, 
of all of the actors on the show, he's been the most consistent and getting consistently better uh, since the the beginning. Uh, Richard Karn is just a, a consummate professional and yeah. amazing actor in ways that continue to surprise me in like little tiny nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's just he's absolutely brilliant, and you know if I could give every single MVP to him, I would. But sometimes, you know, except last year, except last year. Uh, So sometimes things have to go in different directions. But um, I love that they're giving him new stuff to to deepen his character, giving him a relationship with Eileen as opposed to really focusing on the single life. Uh, I felt like that would have gotten played out really quickly. And we've seen so many sitcoms of dating lives that it's interesting to see a blossoming relationship as opposed to. You know Jerry Seinfeld going out with a new girl every week. Yeah, some and also two people who really aren't used to dating people going out. Like, yeah, that's that's funny. Too. It's very very interesting. Um, so I, I just forever love Richard Carn and Al Borland. Yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. I you know and Jonathan Taylor Thomas this season. I I think we've always said that his charisma was evident, but this is where he's really coming into his own. Yeah, this is really where him is the funny guy is happening this season is really where also i think where the relationship between him and patricia richardson is really getting kind of built up and i think that everyone is seeing how well those two play off of each other and the kind of chemistry that they bring on screen Uh, and this is also we didn't really talk much about randy the psychopath this season Mm -hmm. because he was more randy the funny kind of asshole kid (laughs) like i think they were going for that the whole time but now it doesn't seem creepy now he's figured out how to make it seem flippant and not creepy he's reaching the part of psychopathy where he's getting really good at mimicking human emotion yes yes (laughs) that's exactly it he's he's uh his flesh uh his flesh mask is now complete and it is perfect uh i i completely agree with you on jonathan taylor thomas i think um I, I this might be blasphemous to say but uh I think he's emerging as more of a star than Tim Allen at this point. I would agree. I uh, would agree. I mean granted the show is about Tim Allen but um I mean it's just utterly apparent just like seeing Tom Hanks at an early age yeah. of like oh this guy just has a natural god-given ability. Yeah, yeah, it, it's that intangible kind of it factor exactly. that, that uh, some celebrities have. Yeah. Um so uh, it's it's a real hard decision between the two, but I, I've got my choice. You have yours? I have mine, yeah. Do you want to say them both at the same time? Yeah. All right. Or do you want to go three, two, one, go, or three, two, one, name? Uh, uh, let's do three, two, one, name. Okay. Three, two, one, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas. Thomas. Uh... <laughs> why did, Landon, why do we always call this section a debate when all it does is highlight the fact that we are the two people most inclined to agree with each other all the time, <laughs> unless it's about the superiority of the Coen Brothers film The Hudsucker Proxy? It's ridiculous, man. Big sorry to Richard Karn, though, getting, yeah, getting skunked. But it is. JTT brings it. But Richard season. Karn has won the MVP in the past. Yes, so, yeah. uh, you know... He can still hold out. We have, um, you know, six more, uh, five more seasons yeah. of uh, opportunity for any of these people. Yeah, win. honestly, it could be Tim Allen could be clean. Maybe yeah. Demi Dunning in the future. Absolutely. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. There, there's the the world is their oyster. Yes. And the world meaning grunt work. Yes. And it, and it's and it's a very small oyster, but it still costs you like four bucks. <laughs> and it has a very plastic pearl in oh, it. Oh yeah, you you choke on. <laughs> 
so congratulations to Jonathan Taylor Thomas, who I'm sure listens to this. Huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the prize committee will find him somewhere and, and give him his big, big paper check. Yeah, the the uh, flatbed truck will be delivering your trophy soon. Um, so and congratulations. The, the, the truck is the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to go into the People's Choice MVP. Oh, yes. And I got to be honest with you. These numbers blew my mind. You're saying there's irregularities in the voting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, Richard Karn on Twitter got a hold of our, our poll. Oh, son of a and bitch. And like, He hacked us. <laughs> he put it out. And we got more votes on this poll than we have on anything we've done in the past. Okay. Okay. That's good. Voter participation is up. And it was because there were so many votes so often, it was a heated race. I mean, moment to moment, the percentages would go in different directions. Yeah. Um, so, and the results ended up, what I thought was a sure bet, ended up being not a sure bet. Whoa. And it just went all over the place. It was very exciting to watch. I feel like I was the only spectator of this. <laughs> so, uh, Wait, I thank is, the world for giving me entertainment. Is the people's, are you trying to tell me that the people's choice MVP is Donald Trump? Oh, Unexpectedly no. <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> Make America grunt work again. Oh my, well, seriously, <laughs> or even for the first time. Um, okay. So, Let's go down the amount of votes or percentage of votes. No, let's go down the amount of votes. And I'm going to start at the bottom and mm-hmm. work my way up. Okay. Okay. So with zero, zero votes, oh, I've, it breaks my heart a little bit. Zachary Ty Bryan. Ouch. Got zero, zero Missed votes. your chance, by which I mean I missed his chance. <laughs> well, last season. Uh, there's always five more seasons yes. to, to reclaim your spot with the people. Yeah. But the people speak. It's a populist thing. Yeah. did a democracy. So, barely inching him out by one vote. Yeah. Taryn Noah Smith. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there is one other Taryn Noah Smith fan out there. Yeah. Uh, which I say, hit me up on Twitter. Let's share some Mark memories. <laughs> um, inching him out by uh, two votes. So, he... The, with, with blah, blah, blah. I can do maths. Yeah. With three votes... Debbie Dunning. Oh, Debbie Dunning. Okay, yeah. more love for her there than we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think deserving of yeah. three people. I don't know. Yeah, three votes. Yeah, <laughs> she's worth three votes. Uh, now, this is where it starts to get interesting mm-hmm. and heated. Do you want to take a guess as to the next person? And I'll give you the vote count. It has seven votes. Mm, Tim Allen. Incorrect. Earl Hunt Hinman. <laughs> Incorrect. It is Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was seven. Okay. I'm wow. shocked at that. So he he is, comes in number five okay. out of this uh, poll All right. with only seven votes. That's crazy to me. Okay. Our MVP turns out to be not even the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Geez. Okay. Who, who's number four? Number four with 10 votes, Patricia Richardson. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> A lot of love for Jill out in the world. Like seeing yeah. that. Like seeing that. Our our season one MVP has our People's Choice MVP has has slipped down to uh, number four yeah. for this season. So this is very very interesting. See how this uh, this plays out with the the people's choosing. Yeah. Um. And inching her out by two votes at uh, a total of twelve votes. It's Wilson Earl Hinman. Earl Hinman. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it can predict what the last two are going to be. <laughs> well, we have Richard Karn and Tim Allen left. Yes. Um, do you, do you want to try to crack the code and, and figure out who gets number one and number two? Uh, well, because Richard Karn retweeted it, Richard Karn is going to be a number one and Tim Allen is going to be number two. 
Well, oh Jesus! This is where it got super heated. It got down to the last two days. Oh my God! It, this is literally like what happens on the show, <laughs> where there's there's a real popularity struggle between yeah, the two dudes. They were neck and neck at like uh, I'd say thirty two percent. Wow! For the like the last two days of the thing, and then for some reason, Tim Allen just got a surge of votes. So Russians. What's the phrase that you like so much? Uh, Richard Karn was hoisted on his own petard. Yeah, he was hoisted on his own petard. <laughs> oh man, do you think so? Like a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of uh, Richard Karn's like followers who are actually big time Tim Allen fans got on the horn to the Tim Allen fan. I community. you know looking at how people interact with Richard Karn online, so often uh, they'll he'll say something and then someone will just respond, "I don't think so, Tim." So it's a matter of looking at. Al Borland and Richard Karn through the lens of Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess in retrospect, it doesn't surprise me too much. But the the end votes are Richard Karn had twenty four votes. Whoa! And Tim Allen dominated with forty one votes. Forty one votes. I feel like I don't even know my own country anymore. <laughs> Here we are. We spend all this time talking about how Tim Allen just completely aggrieved us this season, and then our own our own voters yeah. go out and put this against us. But hey, you know what? The system works. You know what? And I'm going to put it like this. Uh, you know, since this is Richard Karn putting this out, it's hard to say that our listeners are the ones that chose Tim Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. It could just be followers of Richard Karn who haven't discovered our show. So... If you have a choice, if you have a thought on Tim Allen winning and you want to send us a comment, even if you want to record yourself as giving us your, your comments, we would love to hear it and, you know, would potentially play it on air. So yeah. um, if you have any thoughts, please send it in. And um, we I, I want to know from a, uh, a fan of Tim Allen, which, you know, I'm not not a fan of Tim yeah, Allen. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's an extremely talented actor. He's yeah. a very funny man. He's yeah. good at what he does. Absolutely. And I would say at a point in time in my life, he would have been one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, but someone who in 2018 is a, like, rampant Tim Allen fan, I want to know your opinion on... The show and yeah. and why you would choose him and what your your reasoning is. Yeah, I, I I agree. I want to hear that too. Send it in, please. Truman fell asleep. Oh, st- <laughs> you know what, man? We ate a bunch of food before this, Fair. and I have done an admirable job. <laughs> you really have. Um, Thank you for that gold star. So that is our People's Choice MVP, our regular MVP, and the rest of our favorites. Yeah. So now you know, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. That's it. (laughs) I thought there was something else after, but there isn't. Now we get to... The real... I mean, this is the real McCoy. This is the shebang. This is... This This is is our namesake. This is the best picture <laughs> uh we're gonna talk about grunts we're gonna talk about the grunt count for this season we are what what do you want to hear uh i'm gonna throw out a number of questions for you okay and i expect a number of answers okay i'll All give right. you those numbers let's go and i want to try and guess these as we go yeah along. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. some of them i can get easily sure, sure like this first one yeah what's the least amount of grunts we've had zero that was going to be my guess. And we had zero grunts in five different episodes. Whoa, that's more than I would have suspected. Last season, there was only one episode with zero grunts. And that was Gruntgate. Yes, that was Gruntgate. Yeah. And season one, the lowest number of grunts in any of the episodes was three. Wow. So, yeah, so there are actually fewer grunts in fewer episodes as we've gone on. Wow. Okay. Not what we expected. No, and I'm curious how that's going to play out in season four. As am I. 
As am Maybe I. there won't be any grunts at all. Yeah, I mean, we said that at the end of season two, and mm. then we wind up with a lighter grunt season, so who really <laughs> knows? I think if the show is getting crazier and more conceptual, yeah. I think the grunts are going to go up. Well, then let's go with the flip side of that. What was the most amount of grunts we had? Now, I, I want to try and guess. Yeah. This is the one that we had the insane episode. Yes, the Christmas. The, the insane, yeah, it was Christmas. It, was, it wasn't, it was like 77. 73. 73. It's close. It's a lot. That is a lot of grunts. That is the, the highest episode grunt count that we've ever had. Yes. Last season, our highest was 39 in one episode. Oh, wow. Season one, the Christmas episode, there were 55 grunts. That was Did also these all happen in the Christmas episode? The uh, season no, season two? season two was not the Christmas episode, okay. just season one. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it seems like Christmas is the year, the time of year to get the grunts it is the season to be grunty um yeah okay um do you have a memorable grunt from the season okay well my most memorable grunt would be when he brings out the kitchen thing and and <laughs> everyone is going yes. nuts and tiv is just going ah, ah, the one that we had to rewind four or five times to count it all yeah that one because that is just the most pure in terms of what a grunt is we yeah we really had to we had a grunt debate on the couch as to where does a grunt start and where does it begin oh man and you're you guys are benefiting from the work that we put in there let me tell you but yeah he uh that is the truest form of just like look at the thing that i built with my big meaty hands right that is what grunts were invented for yes that moment yes um i if i had to choose a memorable grunt moment it would actually be the lack of a grunt Oh. Which is when he, <laughs> behind the scenes, I feel like it was Tim Allen and not Tim the Toolman Taylor, decides, you know, grunting's kind of a weird, silly thing when everybody's doing it at once. Oh. And it was in the outtakes of the Christmas episode. When 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 they're running up that big tally and when he decides to stop, <laughs> like, stop doing yeah. my thing. Yeah. yeah. That, to me, was like the anti-grunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that stuck out in my head. Um, okay. Now let's get into some, some tallies here. Okay. All right. If you were to take all the grunts... From all of the episodes of the season, mm-hmm. on average, how many grunts could one expect? Well, uh, per episode, now whether you want the average with or without outliers, I can give you both. Let's do with, out, with all grunts all together first, and then we'll go without. There's an average of 7.28 grunts per episode. Okay. And but then, with, with five zero grunt episodes, and with, that seems very misaligned yes well with 173 grunt episode and what and five zero grunt episodes yeah. yeah so if you take out the zeros and you take out the 70 yeah then you've got 5.45 per episode and that seems more accurate because then yeah. you get like uh you you come down to the yeah which is the five yeah the, the little rhythm he does yeah that which which really fits more i think that is closer yeah. to what it actually is so and the median is four grunts per episode okay which again fits yeah that is the the math on this is actually making this show make sense it's it's somehow magical that it all comes together like the, this. the first time math has ever made anything make sense also the first time that math <laughs> done by me has ever clarified anything it only took me three years of doing these calculations to finally figure out how to do them right so, we're going to come down to our big question. The big number everyone wants to know. Yeah, and I'm going to... Um, I want you to guess. Avoid banging on the table, so I'm going to trust that you put in a drum roll sound effect here. It's in. Awesome. <laughs> uh, this The final grunt count of the season. And, oh, I'm going to guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh I feel like it's lower than the past seasons have been, despite our massive outlier. 
I'm going to go with 164. Okay. You're actually by price is right rules, you're doing good. Oh, okay, so I'm under. Yeah, you were you were under. Yes. Oh, okay. What what is I'm not going to guess another. 1 uh 8 2 182. Wow. German was sign language yeah, you those I wanted numbers. I wanted you to say it. 182 grunts this season. Wow. Which is less. Yeah. How much that, did we have last season? Season two, there were 367 grunts. Jesus Christ, yeah. Season one, there it's were... It's like th- a half drop-off. Yes, it is. Season one, there were 359. Wow. There are basically half as many grunts this season as there have been in the past. So, uh, I can't do math on the fly. What does that bring our series count up to at this point? Our series count before this season, at the end of season two, was mm-hmm. 726 grunts. Okay. The current total series running grunt count... Uh, for home improvement, at the end of season three, nine hundred and eight grunts. We didn't even break a thousand. We didn't break a thousand. Wow. We thought we would have by that now. That is shocking to me. Any study of our previous numbers would have suggested that we would have hit over a yeah. thousand. But yeah, we are still. So with this kind of entropy occurring <laughs> right now, what is your prediction for season four? I don't know. I yeah. honestly, I honestly don't. Will we break a thousand? I sure hope. Uh, I guess that's a potential thing. We might not break a thousand even in another season. Yeah, we really don't know. We wow. really don't know. So, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. I don't know what to expect going forward. But I do think that, uh, you know, th- this season definitely, even though it was the most outlandish season by far in terms of Tim being Tim, his grunts were the most scaled back that they ever have been. And our assumption always has been that as Tim gets more over the top, his grunts will as well. Yeah. I will say, though, I think that every other actor on the show this season grunted, which is, yes. uh, you know, yes. something that's worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pat on the head for them. Every <laughs> single other. Yeah. At one point or another, it grunted. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, and as is tradition, um, I've been working on my grunt. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> uh, okay. So <clears throat> I've studied it a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I realize that uh, you have to start not from the vocal cords. Mm-hmm. You have to start down what it was not the solar plexus, it's a little too diaphragm. What what is what's kind of between the vocal cords and the diaphragm? Uh larynx? Larynx? Okay, that sounds like a thing. Yeah, that is a thing <laughs> and it sounds like a thing. But it's got to start from a gravelly place, right? Yeah, like Tom got, Waits. You know, yeah, start yeah. doing that and then you do a exponential uh, so it'd be like uh, Oh, there you go. That it's, is good. It's getting a little better, I you, think. You gotta start down. The, yeah, yeah, I think that's really... <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Start as gravelly as possible, yeah. and then just kind of narrowing it up. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I haven't quite landed the... I haven't stuck the landing yet, because I feel like I ended too much in my own voice. Uh, I, I lose it by the end, so... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's getting a little... But you hear, yeah, you you hear my nasaliness coming out of it? Yeah, you gotta keep it kind of deep up at the top. Yeah. yeah that's the problem. And I, I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good yeah. at hearing notes and melodies and stuff like that. You so. haven't got perfect grunt pitch, yes. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> but it's good, man. It's it's an improvement every year after year. It gets better and better. Maybe that's our second uh, project: grunt improvement. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. We watch the show again and just work on making our grunts better. Exactly. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, you know that is our super spectacular for season three. We're we're, we're doing a thing to infinity and beyond, man. <laughs> we are we are doing it. We are we're going through. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm glad to put this season behind us. Me too. I am glad to embark on the next season, which will be our halfway point in yep. this project. Well, at the end of it, will be at, our the, at point. the end. It will be, yeah. but I'm just. I'm still. I'm saying we'll be. You know, tackling season four out of eight. Yeah, I'm curious. 
you know, halfway point is such a milestone. Yes. I'm, I'm curious how we'll feel at the end of next season. Yes, I am as well. I am as well. How do you feel right now? Right now, I feel a little exhausted <laughs> from yeah. this season. And from it, this episode. It feels like it's gone on for about three years. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I am excited to go into the next season. And um, the fact that, you know, this isn't going to matter to people who are binging the show in the future, but we are releasing this two weeks before the new year. Our next episode, season four premiere, starts at the first week of the new year. I feel like that's a good fresh start. We have two weeks off to refresh and just like uh, shed whatever stigma we have from this season and, just and come at it anew. Shower it off and yeah. start fresh. Do you have any resolutions for what you want to do in season four? Uh, in season four, um, hmm, man, uh, I want to try and read more books in season four. Uh, I want to... Well, we've got one called Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man. I want to read fewer books then. <laughs> I, I don't want to read that book. Uh, resolution for season four, honestly, just being able to tell the boys apart. It's my same resolution every year. I always fall apart. So maybe one of my, my goals for season four to help you would be to laminate a little uh, index card. That would be... Identify them. That would be really easy. Help help, help you help me. <laughs> uh, cool. My I think my, my goal going into season four, my New Year's resolution is my season four resolution is to uh, go into it with a with a new perspective just kind mm -hmm. of an open mind not assuming that things are going to be the same as they have been yeah that's a good attitude i just want to be as open as possible and and try and rediscover the show on its own terms yeah good attitude i think yeah, yeah. that's yeah. What a healthy what way to look at it yeah yeah awesome Cool. I should try and do that, too. I will. <laughs> I will. You know what? I'll do that, too. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, do you have anything else you want to close the season out with? You know what? I've said everything that I have to say. I've gotten it all out there. It's all... I left it all in the field. <laughs> Very good. Well, then, um, I'm going to write this outro differently next season. So this is the last oh. time you're going to hear me speak it this way. Oh, man. Guys, get ready. I know. Uh, and it goes a little a something like this. <laughs> All in this totally awesome accent. <laughs> we really appreciate you guys listening. If you really want to help <laughs> others find the show, uh, you can leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Plus, with each rating, um, this is where we usually insert a joke that we've pre-written. This is usually where I come up with <laughs> a joke. Yeah, but I've not got one. That, that falls on my head because I forgot to tell you about that. You forgot to tell me to do my job. You know, yeah. my resolution for next year is that I won't have to be prompted by you for all the things I should be remembering. Well, get ready because I'm about to prompt you again. You can find information on today's episode on our website, which is www.gartworkpodcast.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released, uh, as well as receive exclusive trivia. You can get the grunt count hint. Ooh. Yeah, I've created a little puzzle out of it week to Ooh, week. Like uh, Sudoku. <laughs> like grunt doku. Yeah, although I promise you don't have to actually do math in oh, order to get it. That's kind of you. <laughs> Merciful and benevolent. Uh, you can also get updates on what Truman and I are doing out elsewhere in the pod of podiverse yeah i think so yeah the, the pod expanded universe <laughs> uh lastly you can join in the conversation by hitting us up on twitter or facebook which you can find us at gruntwork pod and with that for the end of season three i have been landon solano i've been truman caps and, and this has been gruntwork season three don't stand too close to a naked podcast <laughs>